Podcast like a motherfucker. So, welcome to Amazon Podcast, episode number 27. Um, I am here, Henry P. Miller, and today I have with me... Jack, Jack Austin. Uh, the top Jack. Top Jack, uh, flown over from the UK for Giant Fanatic, which is mostly what we're going to be talking about. Yep, yep. Um, Jack's come to stay with me for the weekend, and as he said, um, we've had Giant Fanatic, a uh, 94-person event in the end, in Copenhagen. And today we are going to be going over the results and the feedback, so some of the feedback that we had today from the tournament. Um, we're going to look at some of the things that happened in the tournament, who did the best, what armies did the best, maybe just talk quickly about the scenarios and things like that. And then uh, we're going to talk to Jack about his list and some of the elements in the list and take it from there and see what happens. Uh, hopefully this will be... Not uh, not more than an hour or so show, so we'll keep it quick and keep hopefully it concise it's to the point. Exactly, interesting and to the point. So uh, uh, I currently am head of hobby an- hobby animation. Hobby like, animation. Hobby hobby <laughs> animation. Uh, so animation like, like community support, uh, for the ninth age and uh, like beginners uh, stuff, beginners content. That's what I'm going to be doing uh, going forward anyway. And we we've been doing the square table together for the last few episodes. And I guess you're going to continue doing that? Yeah, still definitely like finding our feet to work out how we're going to do it in like a a, a fun, structured new way. way. Yeah, yeah, and a bit more structured. Um, but yeah, going forward, um, hopefully the idea for that would be to have one or two topics that the people who come on are relevant to or have yeah. an interest in so that there's a, like, a reason why they're there to have a conversation rather than just turn up and ramble yeah. for an hour. And uh, also, if people are interested then you should write to us and tell us what you'd like to hear about. Um, or who you'd like to hear from. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the, it's pretty open with regards to that. I would even say, if you have some specific questions to... Well, let, let's say that you wanted to hear, okay, the Demon Legions book is coming out in a few months. It would be nice to get some kind of like inside knowledge on how the rules team's thought process behind things. We can probably try and persuade one of the rules guys to come on. Yeah, we if, thought that must yeah, be doable. If you, yeah. if you want to hear, for example, um, some background about the Highborn Elves, we can probably get the background guys to come on and talk about the, the narrative and the fluff behind the Highborn Elves. Or, like, you, you know, if, <laughs> if you want to hear about it, Ask and we'll try and we'll try and make it try work. and make it work. So yeah, that's uh, up and coming in the next few months. Yeah, don't know. Haven't gonna not gonna set a firm schedule. I'd prefer to do fewer shows that are better than one every week and half of them are terrible. Yeah, for sure. Like I think that's way more important. Um, and also to keep everyone sane. Yeah. As well, there's only so much of anything <laughs> people can watch. I think so. Yeah. Or listen to. <laughs> so. Um, we got back from Giant Fanatic today, or this afternoon, we finished. Uh, Five-game tournament. Um, overall impressions, Jack? Biggest tournament in Scandinavia? 
Yeah. One of the biggest in Europe. One of the biggest. I I'm not sure, so I don't know how many people were actually at the um, the ESC, the European Singles Championships in Spain this year, but I think this might be the largest singles event in the world. Really? Maybe. Really? Ninety four. Maybe. Ninety four people. I don't know. I have to fact check that, but I think it might be. Well, um, it's, it's definitely not dead, is it? No. Uh, so yeah, that's a that's a joke going around. But no, Night Age is definitely going strong. Definitely in Denmark. Um, come a few times to Denmark to play Ninth Age uh, every time one impression I get is everyone is just really enthusiastic about the game yeah uh, even just people who aren't even at the tournament who walk past and just like look at the tables are really like excited about it which yeah. is something my, really strange my, thing, my next door neighbour came and <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like true, wow how does this work how does this work what's this oh wow that's amazing how did you make that uh, he was he was pretty Interested in it? I yeah, I mean, at the, in, he was a bit drunk, but well, in my in my last game, uh, some people walked up and were looking at mine and Casimir's armies. And yeah. Casimir's army is beautiful. Yeah, Casimir's are really. Um, nice. And like, but even some of my models are scratch bills that I'm quite proud of, and the guys were looking at me like really excited about yeah. them, and like, it's it's really cool, really yeah. cool vibe to have. And well, just just going on from that, do you feel that in Denmark the level of hobby is different to the UK? So yeah, I mean. Got to bear in mind that this event was a lot more hobby oriented than yeah. your average event, but there was, still, there was a lot of armies that there that that were hobby armies and were that was built like, for, as hobby army and that also, would win best painted at some of like, events. Yeah. There's like, there's, you know. there's like a few guys who come to this tournament that don't go to the competitive tournaments, like the really kind of hardcore tournaments because they know that this is more of a relaxed event. Yeah, absolutely, and I. <laughs> really enjoyed seeing how many nice ones there were like the I don't know the 30 or 40 out of the 100 were really good standard yeah um, and I mean there, what, there were very few that were bad the, like the, there were four armies that scored low on, on painting, painting soft yeah. scores yeah. out of 100 um, but yeah compared to the UK I definitely think at the moment the level of hobby in Denmark is better than I've seen in English tournaments mostly. Yeah. Um, there's always the same few people in the UK who bring beautiful armies, um, and everyone else has sort of middling to not great looking armies. Yeah. Just okay. because maybe it's just time. People just don't have as much free time, yeah. or they just don't care as much. I think traditionally soft scores don't carry as much weight in the UK. Yeah. Which I think might also be something to do with it. Yeah. Would you? Would you? Um, I mean, you you organize tournaments. Is adding more soft scores something that you would consider doing after seeing so, seeing like the kind of the benefit that you get from having so the a tournament high soft score? that I ran using your rules pack last weekend yeah I had twenty points for soft scores for painting okay um and it nearly cost the player who won the event first place because he didn't check the soft scores he had before the last game yeah. And he won the tournament by one TP Ooh. because he played very safe in the yeah. last game because he thought he was that far ahead. Yeah. But the guy on like Didn't table three was only, uh, in the end, like obviously only sixteen behind after soft scores and yeah. not twenty six as he thought he was. <laughs> so uh, that would have been an awkward conversation I would have had to, had to have with him. But uh, luckily, he got away with it. But no, I, I think that's important. Like, if you're going to borrow a unit from somebody that's not really that painted and isn't based... Doesn't fit with your army. Like, why should you get maximum painting scores? Yeah. Like, you shouldn't. Um, I think what, what I really like seeing at this event in particular is when you get two really nice armies that play against each other. 
Yeah. Because a lot of the time in the tournament, you there'll be like a nice army against an army that's okay, or even like the worst thing is like a nice army against like a grey plastic army. Uh, that, yeah, absolutely. That's like the worst possible thing. And I mean, I, I spend a lot of time painting my armies, and I don't really like playing against someone who just has like non-painted models at a tournament. Yeah, for sure, I agree. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had I took a lot of photos, or as many as I could, uh, over the course of the weekend when I could remember. Uh, but there is one one game where there was a there were three combats side by side where there was a I had a dragon fighting a, a torazor, uh, then knights fighting a stegosaur in the front, and then a lizman character on a sword character on a uh, raptor fighting a uh, what was it, what must it have been? one of my monsters oh, well, fighting a steam tank yeah like side by side by side three yeah. massive combats going on it's <laughs> like this is what it's all about really yeah. this is like fantasy this is what a fantasy battle should be really yeah the, I mean cool. there, there was some there was a few times during the tournament where I, when I was walking around I saw some of the best painted armies playing against each other and that was like really really cool to see because it was so like cinematic yeah really it adds, added, it adds so really much to it, to it. people don't Think of it, uh, if you're not a big painter and you're a big fan of painting, it probably doesn't affect you as much. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm not the best painter, but when I finish a unit, I get that big satisfaction yeah. feeling that you, you, you just know. And putting it on the table and using it mm. like that is just really satisfying. Yeah. And obviously great when you're playing it someone with an army that's the same, you know, that's the same standard. And yeah. they're excited about it as well, you know. How did you feel about the uh, terrain, the tables, the venue, the... General, so, general ins and outs. Yeah, um, so the venue just like this big sports hall complex, isn't it? Yeah. So, which was it's like four different halls. Yeah. Uh, really, just really convenient <laughs> as a wargaming venue. Yeah. Um, we were really, talking about maybe it could be like an ETC venue, maybe. Yeah. I mean, potentially in the future, it's great location. Really, it's so close to places for food and things like that. Yeah. Um, just everything's very easy access. Like some some venues just. They have that one little thing, like the only door to get in is kind of small, or you know, like really silly yeah. things that actually make a big difference when Just you're trying like to a, run like a, a back door that we could take all the tables. Yeah, in and, out and, and like it's that seems really silly, but actually it's really important when you're trying to run a big event. Yeah, um, that's kind of beside the point. But uh, no, I thought the venue in it as a whole was just really nice for a player. It's really yeah. it's big, it's clean. warm, clean, bright. Yeah, a lot of venues are a bit dingy, which yeah. is quite quite <laughs> difficult. Uh, but no, that's nice. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of that, I was pretty happy with that. Um, I mean, we're going to talk about the scenario pack a bit. Yeah, yeah. Briefly. I was getting to that. How about yeah. like the the terrain and the tables? Yeah. Um, so all the terrain was provided by the company running the yeah, event, by right? Fnatic. Yeah. Fnatic DK. <clears throat> okay. Uh, and all the terrain was for sale. It was actually, wasn't it? Yeah. Almost all the, of it, yeah. Basically, what they're doing is this was the last year that uh, they were using the tables and the boards. They're getting a bit old, and the terrain as well. So all the terrain was up for sale at the end of the tournament. If you wanted to buy it, it was pretty cheap for Danish standards. Yeah. Um, some yeah. of it was a bit expensive. I was looking at it because they were also throwing out the tables, all the gaming tables. Um, like a hundred gaming tables, just bit, you can take them for free. Yeah. Um, I took one home. I've now got a gaming table in my room. <laughs> Had trouble getting up the stairs, but <laughs> yeah. we got we, it eventually. Yeah, we got it eventually. Um, so yeah, I was thinking about getting some terrain, but I I figured I'd build it myself. A uh, bit of a project. Um, in yeah. all that spare time, you you don't have, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just a, another thing to add to my 
painting table. Um, but what did you think in general about the like the terrain and stuff? Um, like you, sometimes it's kind of like a contention thing. Yeah. Like the ETC especially. There yeah. Was, uh, some I which mean, was nice, some which was not. Some, I think there's been a fair amount of comments about the level of the terrain and the table, just the boards at the ETC were... I mean, the boards, some of them weren't even like, painted green, which, which, I don't know, doesn't yeah. bother some people, but if you just got a plywood board to play your game on, it's yeah, yeah. a you, bit, you, you bit quite like You quite like the ones with like the extra thing on the side? Yeah, because uh, yeah, a lot of the boards here had an extra, I don't know, maybe eight inches or a yeah. foot yeah. of just free space to like put your army or a box or a tray or your dice books, or yeah. anything, like, or yeah. drink even. Yeah. Um, and one venue in the UK has that as well, and yeah. it's really, really nice. Yeah, it's like a little um, extra. Yeah, so I mean, we've got the space to do it. Yeah. Great. Um, but no, the the level of the terrain was probably it's not the nicest terrain I've ever seen no. at an event, but I think for all the tables to have that nice level of terrain was the yeah, first yeah. like event where it's every table is good. Yeah, it's it was it's like a nice level. Yeah, it wasn't like getting super good, but it's like okay. It wasn't getting like really gross by like <laughs> the last three or four tables, you know, where you got you got the dregs <laughs> of your shitty terrain after to the, go down. After the first game, no one wanted to play with a Smurf village. No, funny <laughs> I was, that. I was quite, quite, quite sad about that. Was, we had like a Smurf fortress. <laughs> it's like a fortress with mushroom towers, and we we just put it on the bottom table because we thought it'd be funny. And then the the first people to go on there were like, we don't want to play on this table. <laughs> I mean, the other problem with that table was that there was a, probably like a six inch triangle of the corner that was broken off. Yeah, that was the other problem with that. That was table. like the the worst table. <clears throat> the one that got dropped into the lorry or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, but we put it down the bottom board, and like you know, you should deserve to play on the shitty table if you're all the way down there. And I think we didn't need it. No, by we, we didn't. Two or three because yeah. people had dropped out. For yeah, some there was like two people. Who were really sick, so they left. So we had an extra spare table, which works out really. Yeah, which out, which worked out fine. Um, the scenarios. Yeah. So we should maybe talk about the final scenario first because that's the one that the, people the haven't one. really yeah. heard about. Um, we used one of the new rulebook scenarios, which limits the deployment. Um, it's basically classical deployment. Yeah. Uh, well, you get a slightly longer deployment zone. Yeah, so it's ten inches rather than twelve inches from the center. Yeah, and the difference is that you can't. It's called dawn assault, and you can't deploy units unless they're cavalry or light troops within twelve inches of the table, the short table edges. Yeah. So, essentially, if you're being very blunt about it, <coughs> it's trying to limit cornering up and playing very very negatively. Um, and it's it sort of forces you to play the game <coughs> rather than just yeah. sit and wait. Yeah. Um, and in the game I played about it, uh, it definitely did that. I think, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I really like this new deployment. Actually, I think it's one of the better ones that they've come up with. Yeah. Um, I think it's actually going to have a repercussion on list building itself. Yeah. I think people won't be able to build super defensive lists that don't like being flanked as much. Yeah. They're gonna have to be a little bit more flexible in their list choice. Yeah, I agree. Just purely because that scenario exists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, if it's like a random thing that's gonna <clears throat> be happening in games, and yeah. Well, particularly if, I mean, a lot of events in the UK have a set scenario or set deployment 
list. Yeah. So if game one you play this deployment yeah. and game two you play that deployment. Yeah. So if you know you've got to play at least that deployment at least once, once yeah. then you can't just ignore it and hope it doesn't come up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you have to plan for it in some way. Um, the, the scenario itself was called Keep It Secret, which was a little bit ironic because it was a secret scenario. And the idea was that you there was three objectives that you could choose from. One was hold the center, one was kill more scoring units than your opponent, and the third one was kill the enemy general. So at the start of the game, you write down which scenario you're gonna you're gonna try and achieve, and you hide it under a piece of terrain or you just keep it secret. And then at the end of the game, you reveal the scenario to your opponent. So you have to try and work out what scenario your opponent's going for while disguising your scenario and also trying to get the objective yourself. So it has a lot of nuances and I thought it would be funny at the end of a game to like actually find out if you've won the scenario or not. Like you don't know until mm. you find out what your opponent's doing. Yeah, absolutely. Like how um, how did you feel when you played the scenario? Did you feel that like you could tell what your opponent was trying to achieve? Or were you struggling to decide or so uh, what was your strategy in So we scenario? may as well just talk about this game I played. Yeah, we might yeah, just let's, go straight into yeah, that really. Let's just go into it. So I <coughs> didn't get drawn against Casimir, but we were on the next table, so we just agreed with our opponents that we'd play the last game because we were we were bottom like bottom half of the tables I think yeah, so I was just like yeah it's we're fine. not going to win the tournament it's yeah, not gonna you're, make any you're all on roughly the same amount of points yeah, so I just switched, doesn't make you, switched you around so uh, I got to play him uh, I think I, who I think I've played before in Denmark once did you? I think at Amahammer I'm pretty sure I played him he was on the bottom tables yeah, probably I borrowed Warriors <laughs> Army and took him off um, which was, I, he doesn't remember which uh, is seems fortunate but um, no anyway so he's playing Undying Dynasties with uh, two colossi, uh, a sphinx, and then just a big block of shabti. And sort of, that's the yeah. the meat of the list, I guess. Um, and yeah, he'd gone for uh, kill more scoring. Than, did you know? Uh, you did, did you realize that at any point? No, honestly, I really didn't because uh, so I'd gone for hold the center, which I actually I managed that, and he managed to kill more scoring than I did. So we both actually achieved our objectives. So yeah. So in that it. situation, it would be a draw. Yeah. Um, but I gave away mine like turn five because I not very uh, sort of carefully measured where the center of the table was and you kind of noticed what I was doing. <laughs> so I may have given that away a little bit early. Oh, where is the oh, center yeah, of the table? Yeah. I feel like that could have been the best like trick. <laughs> yeah, fake. Yeah. Like uh, do, you, do you want fake to out. measure the center? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which one's the general again? Sure, <laughs> yeah. um, no, because actually I... So I had, I've got a, a dragon, uh, Prince on Dragon in my list. So I was playing Empire, which is probably a good place to start. Really fun to have a, a scenario where not both players are trying to achieve the same thing. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we talked about this briefly earlier on, and I think that more scenarios that have this as a point could be really interesting. Yeah. Um, just it keeps, keeps things interesting, yeah. a bit different. Did you um, feel that the three options were balanced? I... Did you find it difficult okay. to choose one? <clears throat> yeah, uh, so, because I had a flying, very killy character, I felt that 
killing me general wasn't was an option yeah like I could have gone and hunted down his architect because it also kind of depends who you face as well yeah absolutely uh, if you've got a very expensive not very protected human on a dragon like you think you <laughs> might try and kill that but yeah. you didn't um, especially when you did have catapults he had two catapults yeah <laughs> and he went for the scoring unit option which I don't know I thought it was interesting but um I think Casimir is scared because he always plays against me with my dragons. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, we've established <laughs> I'm not uh, as good with dragons. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think it. I, I really like the way it made you play. Um, it, we both played quite quite positively, mm. which I thought we also made a really fun game. Yeah. Um, we actually both agreed that it's one of the most fun games we've played for a long time, which is kind of surprising if you actually had a tournament. You know, you, often you get. Yeah. kind of dull game sometimes yeah um but i definitely i think the deployment helped make it fun because it meant you actually had a battle line yeah um and the the game looked like a real game because you had big blocks of infantry fighting each other you had monsters riding around you had artillery going off yeah you know it just had a bit of everything it was a really really good yeah fun game so and um yeah i mean as as I was saying, like the different options being balanced, like it kind of depends on who you're playing. Yeah. And what's in the opponent's army and what's in your army. Do yeah. you Do you think that you could choose other? Because th- we we were obviously we were when we decided what the scenario was, we had to like come up with three options. Yeah. And we were not struggling, but we were trying to think of things that were like equally achievable, but not which were not too easy and not too hard. And I like, think, for I, example, like hold the center. That's that's okay because everyone knows roughly where the center of the table is. If it was like secure two points on the table that are eighteen inches from the sides, like you kind of have to measure, and you don't really you don't want to give it away that you like you said give it away that you're trying right. to find the yeah, center. Yeah, yeah. But like the center of the <clears> table <throat> is is you know everyone roughly knows yeah, where that is. Yeah, you can work that out. Um, I think honestly, the king, the general, is. Obviously, you never want to lose your general, but no. I think you can play in, for a lot of armies in such a way where you make it virtually impossible to lose your general. Yeah. Um. So therefore, I think it's an option which people wouldn't pick very often. Yeah. Unless it's like a a chariot lord, like a high born elf, on a chariot who's the general, or some other kind of random loner general. Yeah. Where they are p- able like to get picked off somehow. Vermin's general yeah. on a litter or something. Something like that. Yeah, I, I think it's that's maybe why people wouldn't take it unless it's that kind of guy they're yeah. trying to catch. But then again, like I said, it but depends then on the army. Else, right? yeah. you know, um, so I, I, no, I think they all had their place. I think everyone could find something they thought was achievable. The uh, hold the centre, most armies can play for. Yeah. Um, and... The other thing is, if you have hold the center as an option, it means that the other player has to play around the center of the board in case that's what you're going for. Yeah, exactly. And therefore, it promotes positive play, even if neither player is actually going for that objective. Yeah, and it's the same and with, that's the, with your general kind of thing. Like, like you, you had your general on the dragon, and you charged it in, but then you have to be okay. Well, if do I want to risk it? Do I, maybe I'm gonna try and like not go balls to the wall. To be fair though, I committed the dragon after I was sure I was going to win the secondary. I okay. was, after I was sure okay. I'd got the centre. Yeah. Which is almost why it was okay that I'd given it away because there's nothing you could do about it. Yeah. 
So even if I lost it, which I did, <laughs> um, it didn't matter because even though that was his objective, I'd already drawn at least. Yeah. So that kind of was why that decision was okay, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. So um, in general, what about the scenarios, the other four that we played over the weekend? Yeah. So now you've now you've actually like played the played them myself. Proper, yeah. yeah. Uh, the first one was the uh, the jungle one. The jungle one was searching the terrain, um, and with the sort of anti single character rules for like the the terrain yeah. and things like anti yeah. Um, I yeah, funny enough, I played in a table with lots of terrain, so we have, there were seven searchable pieces of terrain on that table. Mm. Um, I managed to search all of them, <laughs> so uh, most of the five with one unit of electoral knights. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they got around, made the world tour around that board. Um, <laughs> was that was that was that fun or was that interesting or? Um, it was fun. So we need to talk about my list in a minute, but the it was fun. Because the party bus took everything off. <laughs> that was why it was awesome. Okay. Uh, he was also a nice guy, which is really good. Um, didn't really have anyone, didn't play anyone who I wouldn't want to play again. Yeah. Um, and only really had one game that was not enjoyable. So really, from that point of view, uh, the scenario wasn't the factor there at all. Yeah. Um, what was the deployment? Was it classic deployment in that one? Uh, yeah, classic yeah, deployment. Yeah, classic deployment. Um, yeah, I just found that scenario I actually didn't like it that much um, no. you had you've had, said you've had some positive feedback yeah it, yeah I had for this was probably the weirdest scenario that we had mm-hmm. um, like the most janky one but I think I had like no one no one really told me any negative thing but maybe you, no one would tell me negative thing but it wasn't no one really complained about mm-hmm. it and and I had a few people come up to me and say I actually really like this scenario yeah this I just something about it feels like it just doesn't promote again doesn't promote like positive play like it promotes too much of quick scoring units not actually doing anything useful other than running around touching clipping terrain yeah uh, rather than getting into a position where they can threaten an enemy unit and be useful for an objective okay which is where things like the whole center comes into play yeah. and we're like if you've got a fighty scoring unit you push up near the center to be helpful in a fight later on, but if not, you're covering object. Yeah, and we, that's what I didn't like about the. That we one. we wrote this scenario initially as a breakthrough scenario, with yeah. added rules to like get you to go through the terrain, but it didn't really work. So then we rewrote it in the way it ended up at. I don't oh, think it's bad, but yeah. it's like yeah. if I'm being honest, yeah, yeah, not hundred percent solved. Yeah. It's I'm, a I'm, fun scenario to I'm play. Not, that I'm not hundred percent solved in it either, but it was okay. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, how about the second one? With so the second one was the, the quarters. quarters. Um, I really like the scenario. Um, I think, I think this works better, as what we were just talking about. Yeah. In that you can put things in places yeah. and they're winning a scenario for winning scenario points in this case. Yeah. But still being useful in game. <laughs> yeah. Because they don't have to sort of wander off in a certain direction. They're just gonna be in an area somewhere. Yeah. Um, and that's better, but the. It does favor MSU I think I think this yeah. I think it works quite heavily if you've got so the opponent I played in that for that game was all the uh, sword mini sword master units oh yeah all the lion guard units yeah, 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 MSU, like, guard, M- MSU high off yeah, and all the uh, you know cavalry just riding around and that was <laughs> that was a game yeah that was a game Um. so yeah I think that was that was just a bad matchup for yeah. me, probably on paper. It, it looked better than against, I thought. Against that army, it probably would have been a bad matchup for anyone. Yeah. 
Um, it looked better on paper than it turned out to be. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's just the, he was always going to win the scenario. Yeah. Which in this tournament pack puts me at a four, uh, what, fourteen six down anyway. Yeah. So however hard I try, I'm not getting better than that. Really, it's very hard. Unless you take all his models off. Which yeah, maybe happened. Probably probably not. Yeah. Spoilers, it it didn't happen. <laughs> And uh, the, th- the third one, which was kind of the three objectives one? Yeah, so I've got, got, got a confession to make. Um, it was, what, what, whatever time would it have been? Like, yeah, this was the, the last, the last game. Well, we didn't play that scenario. No? We, uh, we played a straight-up scenario. Um, did, you, did you do just a normal day? or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I guess you just played that. Because um, uh, we were both quite tired. Okay. Um, I was still quite hungover. Um, <laughs> yeah. Here, yeah, seven Friday, night. Friday night got late. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess started just started a few beers again. Just <laughs> tied me over. But no, the um, I saw the scenario played at my tournament in Bath, and um, somebody nearly won the scenario in game. Yeah. In that tournament, like uh, it was close. Like uh, I think Jake was saying, he had to he had to actively not lose it. Yeah. Like even if it was just nudging a unit towards yeah. one of the objectives but it forced you to actually forced you to think about it, yeah. it and like it's, it's there all the time like, I quite like I think maybe having some sort of active scenarios in scenario packs where yeah. there are things during the game you need to do yeah or that have a timer on them for some reason or something yeah could I be had, good I had a lot of people come to me and tell me that this was their favourite scenario of okay. the whole tournament and that was quite positive yeah I think definitely uh, either this or things like it that again that have expiry yeah. times or during a game or sort of multiple conditions for completing it yeah uh, are quite cool I think yeah. it could definitely work going forward yeah um, so scenario 4 this was pretty simple scenario yeah secure target but with a bonus to the magic if you're yeah. within 6 inches of the the objective yeah um, I actually didn't have to make use of the magic that much, no. uh, the bonus magic, because uh, the the I, in my mind the way you play secure target is you have one that you're definitely going to hold, and then contest the other one. Yeah. Because you can't win both unless you've tabled your opponent, which has that, which does happen. Yeah. But basically, you have to push past the first one, and then just make a mess on the second one. It's yeah. basically what I do. Yeah. Um. So. Because of the way my list works, all the characters in the same unit, and the big unit is the one doing the pushing past killing stuff, mm. so it wasn't sat near an objective for much of the game, yeah. so I didn't get used to it. But um, uh, in Bath, the for the tournament the previous weekend, there were people who were saying they were thinking about building uh, extra itemization on characters because it's hidden lists as well. Yeah. Um, to make use of the <coughs> Miscast because when you get plus one to cast when you're near this uh, near one of the nodes the the objectives the arcane fulcrums arcane fulcrums Ful- fulcra fulcry fulcra fulcra I don't know fulcra anyway uh, you get plus one to cast and you also get plus one magic dice used if you miscast yeah and there were people who were talking about bringing whatever the ogre item is that makes you miscast worse Yang Yang guy I think yeah so one of those yeah um, specifically for that purpose which would have been quite cool I would have wanted to see something like that and it would have been a funny story yeah um, I, didn't, I didn't hear of anything like no, that no no one written um, but yeah I, I quite like the scenario in general 
because uh, it's just mainly just part of the normal yeah it was fact this was just like a attempt to have more of a normal scenario for game four where people could rock up with a hangover and play it and not have to think too much yeah and that was kind of what it what it achieved it was a really good game uh, personally for me as well I actually um, got to play this game as well you did it's yeah. true um, it was an empire mirror match um, and it was such a mirror match that we had very similar lists um, and in the end I actually just played a bit better than him yeah um, I managed to win the scenario it was very close on victory points like 262 difference or something yeah um, and we had a steam tank off so uh, just pelting cannonballs back at each other until one of them died <laughs> so that was quite good it's like, um, a, like a World War 2 battle uh, pretty, pretty much uh, and then we also had a flagellant off next to it yeah which I won so <laughs> I was happy about that so um, just final, finally about the tournament, um, what did you think about the battlefield condition cards? So yeah, I don't know if you've talked about these before. We've, we mentioned briefly. it, but you can... Yeah, so the idea was you had a deck of cards that you could play after so sort of seeing your armies. five different cards. Yeah, um, and they all had an effect that was going to be used during that game. Um, so there was one where you picked a turn where you were put, no one could fly, yeah. for example. Or there was one that gave you much better defense against dispelling, so you got an extra dice and minus one to cast for all everyone casting spells. Yeah. Um, and I guess the idea was to sort of limit abusive builds again, yeah. um, much like the first scenario. Like there was a few things built into the tournament pack. Yeah. So to, to kind of for curb the horrible list. Yeah. For example, like if you're playing against a high elf army with phoenixes and dragons, you could play the flying one. And that will limit them for one turn. And like then those not, phoenixes have a two-inch yeah. movement. Yeah, it's, it's not like a super, super power thing to just stop them working, but it gives you just something to help you. Yeah, um, like I played the uh, extra dispel dice and minus one to cast in my last game against the undying Genesis, for example, yeah. um, and I felt that had a massive impact on the way the game played. Yeah, <clears throat> and for both sides, because I have quite a lot of magic as well, but. When I've got bound spells that have minus one to cast on them, kind of hard to one dice them all of a sudden. Yeah. It's quite difficult. <laughs> so I hadn't thought about that when I played it. So actually, that came into effect yeah. quite a lot. What did you play any of the other cards during the other game? Um, during the tournament? I mean, you yeah, had, a, you I, had I, a blank one that you yeah, played. Yeah, there was a blank one. There was also another one which was um, the Can't Shoot Outside 24, yeah. which I played in the Empire game because he had cannons. Yeah. Um, and it meant that I could try and be aggressive with the dragon. Yeah. Uh, took a cannonball to the face the next turn and then I decided to not be aggressive <laughs> run, run away yeah, yeah, yeah. hide hide a lot you've still got two wounds you're not giving anything away yet uh, so he hid behind a hill and uh, for the rest of the game and I don't know had a nap who knows <laughs> you just imagine this empire guy like like just stroking his dragon like calm yeah he's just, calm, just you know, like calm. digging digging crap out of under the, the claws his soul you know? I don't know <clears throat> but yeah in general the cards did you think it had a positive effect on the game I think definitely in this kind of event the effects that were on the cards really added to keeping it interesting like it meant that I could actually try and play with my dragon yeah rather than just hide it like mm. I would do if I was playing a real tournament yeah yeah a real tournament like yeah. a really competitive yeah. tournament in yeah. the UK I, with like, rankings I don't think yeah. that this would be something that I would like to have in a competitive no, super I, I, competitive I don't think like, so. I get, you were telling me before about in the UK that you have ranked events yeah and I think, most events are ranked. I think if I was playing in a ranked event I w- and I cared about like my ranking I wouldn't necessarily want to be playing something that's not out of the box ninth age sure 
And yeah. but this is not that kind of tournament, and I guess in that respect, it was a positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the event I ran was quite small last weekend, but it's going to be rankings. Yeah. So I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. Like if you did, you did well. You play. You're playing night stage. Whatever yeah. you're playing. So. Yeah, yeah, sure. Whatever. So what we'll do now is <coughs> we'll have a quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk about Jack's party bus, and uh, some some of the other things in his list. And hopefully give you some some thoughts about how the dragon works and some other elements. Yeah, we're going to just quickly go over the results of Giant Fanatic 2017. Um, Rasmus and I, we did a podcast last week. I don't know if you heard it. No. Um, we were discussing who we thought was going to be the winner. Right. Okay. And we made a bet. Okay. And um, the bet was that the loser will get an army list written by the winner in the next game that we play against each other. Okay. And they can write any army list they like. Rasmus said that he's probably going to make me play high elves with a mage on a chariot. Okay. For example. Okay, yeah. And um, I bet that orcs and goblins would be the army that would win. Right. And Rasmus said that ogre cons would be the army that would win. Yep. And I Just lost... Just looking at this spreadsheet, Henry. <laughs> I lost this bet. <laughs> yeah. Because the winner was Mass Ingvar, who was also the winner of Amahammer, which when you came over last was the yep. tournament we played. With the ogre cards, he won with ninety nine out of a hundred battle points. Nice, which is pretty impressive. Pretty solid. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. Vampire Covenant second place with seventy seven battle points. Orcs and Goblins third with seventy five battle points. So close, but no cigar. On yeah. That. So it's third place, and then Oliver, who we were talking to about with Rasmus, um, he came fourth. So well done, Oliver. Congrats. Almost a podium, but not quite. 72 yeah. battle points. So that's also Ogre Khans. Um, then 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th. Just real quick. Highborn Elves, Beast Herds, Highborn Elves, Beast Herds, Orcs and Goblins, Empire of Sunstar. So it's... it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you see any kind of... Definitely wouldn't see that much Orcs and Goblins in the UK. No. Um... What's interesting is although this is a fluff event, really like a more more relaxed event. Yeah. I mean, the, the top twenty finishers all had hard lists. Really. Yeah, like, yeah. they're all good lists. I mean, and they're good players. If, obviously, if, even if you even if you go further down the the like right down to twenty, after the top ten, there's again orcs and goblins, beast herds, dwarven holds, orcs and goblins, warriors. Warriors, Saurians, Demons, Ogres, Dread Elves. And actually the Dread Elves player, that was his first tournament. Yeah, really, so, really impressive. Really well done to Andreas Moller. Uh, he won the best newcomer at the event. But I mean, do you, I mean, I can see a clear correlation there that Ogres, Orcs, Beasts, maybe Highborn Elves, maybe Warriors, 
Um, they're all doing really well at this points level in this tournament. Okay, that's an interesting point. Yeah. Because um, there's like one vampire player, there's one empire player, there's one demon leader player, there's and, one saurian player. And there were quite a lot of vampires at this event. Yeah. Actually, yeah. further down. Which further goes to prove we both play vampires yeah. at times. I would say I'm a vampire player. But you wouldn't. I dabble. You dabble. <laughs> um, yeah, you haven't played however many I'm, I'm not, stupid games I'm not I've a played. competitive vampire player. Um, yeah, so <coughs> there's this running joke around that vampires are one of the best armies around, which is probably kind of true. This doesn't show it very much. No. Um, but the running joke is vampires are one of the best armies, but they're kind of hard to use well. To get the most out I, of them, I would agree with that. From um, from having a, f- a few games with them, yeah, it, there's a few things that are hard to get your head around, and then once you do, they're very very strong. Yeah. Um, and having not played anything but vampires for like the last eight months, uh, and we're talking probably I don't know eighty games or something rubbish, <laughs> like stupid, you know. Um, it's very different when you go back to not an undead race, uh, and maybe this is why like vampires are up here because Core's a very good player. Yeah. But you don't see any more because even though it's a strong army on paper, they just aren't the good players aren't playing them. There aren't enough good players trying to use them, yeah. and therefore lots of people were playing lists that didn't look terrible, but they're not just not good enough players maybe to get enough out of it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I I think also that like the ogres for example and the orcs, they're quite forgiving, and they're not easy armies to play, but. You can pick, you can kind of pick them up and play. Yeah. Much more easy than you can with a vampire army or an elf army. I think a lot of ogre lists, I don't know which ones uh, were winning. Like, I know that Oliver's was. Oliver's army was like your standard ogre army, but it, instead of the double rocker rock, it was a giant and a frost frost cow. Yeah, so it's, it's double cannon with a pyro character, yeah. right? So yeah. maybe some bombardiers as well? No, he had, no a bu- he had bus. Oh, I had a bus. So, yeah, at least just shoot stuff off and yeah. then smash what's left, really. Yeah, Massingvar, that was, like, exactly like ETC Ogres, I'm pretty sure. Like, it was well, bus, double rock rock double cannon. Okay. Um, like, standard. Because it's interesting, because ETC Ogres means two things. It either means very shooty with a pyromage, or it means double rock rock double hunter, unkillable, yeah, and all I think the tuskers. It was, I think it was like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, and more MSU, yeah. rather than a bus. Yeah. Um, so those are the two lists you get. <coughs> and both I agree are relatively easy to play and I would say it's partly because all the units work well without synergy yeah like there's some synergy to use but you don't have to to make them good yeah whereas They're vampires still right. whereas vampires just like if, you've, if you're running Dark Tome with altars with Inspiring Presence and uh, maybe a BSB you've got three or four auras to take into account the yeah. change range per turn. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like things like that. I guess it's very, very. It's not, you know, I'm, I sound like a really big hero. I'm a vampire player. I'm so good. But there's more to keep track of yeah. in your average game turn than if you're playing ogres. Yeah. I think. I think that's. So I think what we're trying to say is that ogres, the army is really strong and and it's quite an easy, not an easy army to play, but it's, a, it's easy to pick up and and it's like you, you kind of. There's less chance. There's less things that can go wrong, and there's less kind of quickly, yeah, yeah nuances that 
yeah, you have I, to really I, think about a lot. I think the other thing that's really nice about ogres and why I would always recommend it as a starter army for people, because a you don't need very many models. Less to paint. <laughs> less to paint, but also you see a lot of ogre games that they look like they're losing quite hard, and then they come back and win anyway. Yeah. And not that many armies can do that, and yeah. I think ogres because they have units which have so much potential, like the rocker rocks, and like units with impact hits. Yeah. Like they have massive game-winning potential on their own, and that's really cool. And they're not necessarily that overpowered or that good, but that's why they're one of the best armies right now. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the orcs are quite similar, I would say, because they they're quite. It's quite like a standard thing. You have a lot of bow shots. You have a lot of war machines. Do you it, part, is there pyromancy in there as well? Yeah, I think, I think you can. Yeah. You can have it. So there's again there's kind of like a cookie cutter kind of. Not like a cookie cutter list, but there's like one good build, general build, mm. and you can kind of maybe like, five hundred, eight hundred points of flavor yeah. mixed in. Yeah, for yeah. Personal and two spiders and yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of standard build, and we we're seeing a lot of orcs and goblins at the top in Denmark at least, and at five thousand points you can kind of get in that extra thing that we we're talking about. So. So um, I I don't know I think five thousand points is is good, but the the balance is not as good as it is at four thousand five hundred in my opinion. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree with that. It it seems it's more fun. You get you you've said it before I think on your podcast about how. You get that extra bit of fun. The lists are a little bit more. You get to pick all your picks you want to get in your list. Yeah. Um, but maybe in a competitive environment. That's not actually what you want. You want people to make hard choices when they're building lists. Yeah. And um, I think forty five hundred does that better yeah. than five thousand. So. Yeah. So I mean, like looking looking forward from from this like tournament pack, I'm looking forward to going back to four thousand five hundred, where list build with list building is is a bit more like not harder, but how to make more choices. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm also really looking forward to using the new scenario. New scenarios when they come out, yeah. And um, trying those in forty five hundred competitively, like trying trying them properly. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm really. I haven't played the, the one that we talked about before, the Dawn Assault. Okay. I haven't actually played that yet. Um, I really like the way it played on the table. Yeah, it me really too. Really seemed to make a fun game. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So, um, welcome back. Before we go through uh, Jack's list, we're going to go through the quiz that we had at Giant Fanatic. So, uh, part of Giant Fanatic, uh, traditionally, we always have a quiz. And um, the quiz, there's 10 questions. And there was a maximum of one point per question. And there was one question that you could get a bonus point. Okay. I didn't think that, you, that anyone would ever get it, so I just added it anyway. So it was like a really like you know really super narrative gamer here who gonna get that one right Going that extra mile yeah <laughs> but no one got it right so there was essentially ten points ten battle points available for uh, the quiz and ten questions so we're gonna go through it and uh, Jack you got uh, six out of ten yeah earlier uh, so we're gonna see if we're like repping that content team bro <laughs> yeah 
I think we're, we're going to see if uh, you can answer the questions correctly again <laughs> as we go through and um, maybe you're going to get more this time uh, maybe so question one what is the name of the island home of the highborn elves and there was four options yep uh, we're going to read them or we're just yeah, going to give go them go for it alright so the four options option were option one option one Othuan <laughs> hopefully no one put that there was one person that put that oh god uh, <laughs> option two was Selida Alban or Kelida Alban option three was Ken Dressin or Drakin and option three was Kithil Rhymer or Sithil Rhymer which is the right answer that's the wrong answer is that the wrong answer yeah is that the, wrong the correct answer is Kalida Alban okay there was a little tricky thing in there yes, that I put in just to throw you off. Wasn't sure about that one. So. The the third option is the Dark Elf, capital city. Okay. And the fourth one I made up. Nice. And the first one is Old Fluff. It is. Question two. What is the name of the capital city of the Empire of Sonstar? Yeah, so the options were Rimas, Kle- uh, Kislev, which hopefully no one put, there was Fre- one person uh, that was well. yeah. <laughs> Fredericksburg and Avras, and it is Avras. This is Avras. It is. So, one so far. Well one done. One so far. So, question <clears throat> three Name one of the five great continents of the Ninth Age world. So, I didn't get this the first time around because I couldn't think of one. Can you name any but of them? I think one of them is Vetia. Vetia is one of them. It's a continent. I couldn't name any others. Okay, the other head. ones off the top of my head. There's Selexia, okay, Orgia, Tafria, and they sound uh, right somehow. I don't know what the I don't know what the last <coughs> one is. I I can't remember actually. So yeah, there's another one. <laughs> there's five. Um, question four: What is the place where magical power can be drawn from in the Ninth Age world? So those options were the Void, the Veil. Chaotica or Ragnarok, and the correct answer is the Veil. You are correct, Jack. Yes. Well done. Question five: What is the first name of the current Emperor of Sonstal? And the bonus point is for the full name. And I'm sorry to say, I don't know this. You do not know this. No, um, I don't think anyone got this right. No, I don't think they did. No. As far as I could tell, it stumped a lot of people. Yeah, this was from the latest Night Scroll. And that's there. the only place it is. I don't know. But this okay. is where I found the information. <coughs> and okay. the, the, emperor, the emperor of Sonsal is called Matthias the Pious. Nice. Okay. And the, the pious part was, was the, the, bonus. the bonus point. I feel but, like if you knew the first name, you probably would know the bonus. Yeah. You know? I don't maybe. know. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I, I thought maybe someone would guess Matthias. Yeah. So, I'd, yeah. Question six. Which of these three is not an elven god? So the options were Cataron... Yima, uh, Ymeg, Ymeg, and Wiscan. So I put Ymeg. That is incorrect. Is that incorrect? Is it Wiscan? Wiscan. Is it, oh, is that old flower? That's not. That's the fo- that's the forest that the that's Sylvan the Elves forest. live in. Okay. So the other three are f- this. This question, the the fluff was from the Sylvan Elf Army book. Yep. Which you can find on the downloads tab. There's like a little paragraph about the some of the gods of the Elven pantheon. And uh, I threw the Wiscan in there just to throw yeah, people off a little. Good, good, confusing one. Yeah. It definitely got me. Yeah. And I would say, hundred percent of the people who did this quiz, of which there was about seventy, some people didn't do it, um, said the same thing as you. Yeah. 
So well, they recognised the name. Yeah. They recognised yeah. three of them. Yeah. Then, yeah. Oh no. So that that was maybe a bit sneaky of me. <laughs> I think the reason actually is that the the three that aren't weren't the right answer are all magic item names. They're all items. Yeah. Two of them are, are magic items, and one is one of the dark elf. Yeah. Things. Yeah. Yeah. Or paths or yeah. Yeah. Question seven. Which of the ages is known as the Age of Plague? I'm... I think I put fifth. That is correct, that Jack. Is correct. Well done. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure why. It just sounded right. Yeah. It wasn't, Actually, a, it wasn't a pure guess. Like, yeah, yeah. I have, I've read the... Yeah. Um, the uh, Hymn of the Ages. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that, yeah, the that seemed hymn. right to me. That's, so. that's where I got this yeah. information from as well. Um, actually, a lot of people got this right. Okay. I don't know why. I think it was a lot of people probably it, guessed. I'm not sure if it was publicised outside of the main rule book. Was it? Yeah, well, maybe. Would you put it in the scroll at some point? Or? We actually discussed it on the okay. on the podcast. Maybe that's maybe that helped. Maybe maybe, maybe more people pay attention to us than <laughs> <we're> <laughs> you, than you. Than you. Yeah. <laughs> so question eight: In which age did Sunna slay the king of rats? This would be the eighth age. You're correct, Jack. Yeah. Well done. Did you know that? Or? Uh, yeah, I did know that. It's it's also because it makes sense because obviously we're currently in the ninth age. Yeah. And so obviously it's the age where she sort of delivered. Yeah. You know the future supposed. Yeah. Hopeful future after the empire. Know, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Uh, th- this this one was a lot of people got this one right as well. Um, but yeah, I think it this was one of the easier questions. Um, next one, question nine. What is the name of the desert kingdom of the Undying Dynasties? This is multi-choice again, and your options were Naptesh, Setesh, Lamia, and Fatep. And I put Naptesh. You are correct, Jack. Correct. Well done. So, obviously, this one is out of the Undying Dynasties book. Yep. Um, the Setesh is, like, the protagonist in the story of the Undying Dynasties. Lamia is, obviously... Something to do with the vampire coven. And Fatep is the pharaoh of the Undying Dynasties that's mentioned in the book. So there's a little bit to throw people off. Um, I'd say in this question, probably about 10% of the people got correct. And there was quite an even spread of answers. I imagine a fair amount of Setesh was yeah, picked. Because, yeah. again, that's an item that people it recognise. Oh, I, I of Setesh, I, I think, didn't, in the I Undying Dynasties I didn't know that, actually. Um, so I think think that maybe where people mm. they didn't know they guessed that and yeah that would be wrong yeah and the the final question was which faction built the steel road so it's dwarves of some description and i put infernal dwarves you were correct yeah. i'm correct a lot of people put dwarves i reckon uh i would say something like 95 percent of people wrote dwarves yeah yeah that would be wrong that would be wrong yeah and uh, this this was from the. I can't remember where I got this information. I think it was I think it was the rule book. Yeah, it must be a side panel the rule book. Somewhere. One of the little bits of narrative from yeah. the about the factions in the rule book, or it might have even been from one of the scrolls. I Actually, I remember now. This was from one of the scrolls. Um, when we were when I we were asking questions. Um, it was like the Sage, the Sigmund Selig. Oh, okay, right, yeah. I don't know if you've read any of those. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when basically what we do with the in this part of the scroll is um, I usually put a post up on the Ninth Age group in uh, in uh, the, we have like a Ninth Age in Denmark group, and I just put put out there like okay questions for the background of the scroll, and people 
sometimes post questions that they want want to hear, and then I send them to the background team, and they reply in like from like the sage point of view. Oh, like in character. Yeah, in character. Yeah. So the sage is like a like a scholar or something, and he lives in Avrath, and he works at the what do you call it like the planetarium. Okay, yeah. Or something like that. And then he... So he's, like, answering the questions in character. So this was one from one of those. That's cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So uh, just another break now. Um, we're, then we're going to come in and talk about characters. So welcome back to Amma Time Podcast, episode number 27. Um, we had a few breaks now. Yep. And uh, on the last show, we were we were, had a had someone come in, uh, write to us, and said that they didn't like the music that I used on the show. Right. So would you like to choose some music for this episode? Uh, oh, you threw me off. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah just, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll pick something, but yeah, yeah. Do you have anything in mind, or no? Everything, everything. Okay, know. so the music that you're gonna hear for this episode is chosen by Jack. All right, cool. So going into your list, um, just go, let's go over your list, and then just purely what's in it. Yeah, what's exactly what's in it, and yep. then we'll take some interesting aspects. Yeah. So I was playing Empire at this event. Um, I normally play vampires, as I either said now or later. Um, but essentially, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I normally play vampires, and that's what I was planning on bringing, which is more competitive. But I decided to bring this because I couldn't get the vampires painted in time, and also I wanted to have some fun, at a more fun event. Yeah. Um, so my list purely was a marshal, which was a prince on dragon with lucky shield and divine icon, uh, which is just basically. Push forward and, and the sun style comes with the sun style built in. Oh, it comes with the sun style. Yeah, when you okay. upgrade it, you get you get plus one attack and the sun style. That's if in. you're a prince. If you're a prince, yeah. Okay. I know nothing about the empire book. Yeah, that's that's what you get. Um, <laughs> the, the second marshal was the BSB. Uh, he had a stalker standard, which comes into things later, uh, <laughs> with black helm and shield, uh, because they have plate armor built into their unit costs. Uh, black helm and shield just gives them a two up. Yeah. Uh, Black Helm is the helmet that gives you fear, the bearer of fear. So if you put them in the front rank of a unit, you just get extra one combat resolution essentially. Yeah. And also it means that you take your fear tests unmodified because even though you have to take a fear test for the unit, you get to use his leadership which is unmodified because he's leadership. Really? Yeah. Is that how it works? Because it's thought, leadership. Yeah. I just thought if you caused fear, you didn't take a test. No, I think the unit starts to take a fear test. Okay. Because it doesn't cause fear. Okay. But he isn't modified because it's his own leadership. So anyway. Okay. Um. The prelate, the, so then I had an Inquisitor, who I upgraded with plate armor, uh, and he was just given Dragon Scale Helm, Locket of Stunner, and a shield. I would have built him differently, but the model I had had a shield, and yeah. there was what, so what you fairly got. strict WYSIWYG, so yeah. I had to change a shield late. But basically, the idea was just to challenge out people, and because this is hidden lists, the idea was to catch people out, maybe. Yeah. Although, when you see an Inquisitor just hanging out in a unit, you kind of think he might have that, that little rocket <laughs> going on. 
But um, and just just to just to clarify, like what's kind of the gimmick in? So this? the gimmick is the Inquisitor is like the same price as a Marshal, but he has lethal strike and multiple wounds D three. Yeah. And the Locket of Sunna in a challenge lets you swap your strength, toughness, initiative, and attacks with your opponent, and the Inquisitor. Is uh, is strength four, toughness four, initiative five, and only two attacks. Yeah. So actually, it makes the guy you're fighting pretty crap usually. So l- let's just let's use an example Theory that happened card. at the tournament. There we go. That happened. So uh, maybe, maybe, maybe the maybe the, the warriors the funniest one. one. Yeah. So the first game playing warriors, I push the unit with the inquisitor in into a, a unit with a sorcerer, a chaos sorcerer, and he challenges, thinking it will be fine. Because it's only Empire characters. Yeah. <laughs> and the Inquisitor goes, yeah, I'll do that. Uh, so what's the stat line of the of the Sorcerer that you're getting? So it's like strength five, strength, toughness four. Strength, he's strength four. Maybe strength four. Toughness four. Attacks thing. Attacks three. three, three or four. Like more attacks than I have yeah. anyway. Uh, and then initiative, lots more than I am. Yeah. Um... So I just get to swing at him. I've got hatred because I've got a priest in that unit or a prelate in that yeah. unit. Um, I get some hits and I roll a six to wound. So I get a lethal strike. Does not have a ward save. So he's then there like, oh, it's fine. It's only a wound. I'm like, ah, but this is D3 wounds. <laughs> only roll two, which is kind of disappointing. Nearly kill him. Nearly kill him. And would have been very good, very handy. But later on in that game, Lo and behold, I get a flank charge on the other warrior unit with a BSB in it. And he's like, well, the BSB is not on that side of the unit. He needs to contribute. He can't make way to the flank, but he could challenge. And he goes, I'll oh, challenge no. with the BSB. And that Inquisitor over there just goes, okay. no problem, that's Lesby Avenue. So now the BSB, the BSB so has some is, better stats. This is, a, this this is, is a, like an actual a, combat character. Yeah. So we're now talking weapon skills seven. strength five. Oh, it's not weapon skills, is it? No, it's no. strength five, tough toughness five. Four. Toughness four. Is it toughness four? Yeah. Still strength, right. strength five, toughness strength four. Strength five, and then like four, four attacks? Yeah, four attacks. Um, so going against an Inquisitor. So, so he swaps his two attacks at strength four. Yeah, for four attacks at strength three. five. It's toughness so, four, toughness four. Oh, Inquisitor's yeah, toughness yeah, four. Yeah, okay. But still, still. So um, you're gaining plus one strength and plus two attacks and plus two initiative and plus two initiative plus initiative, one initiative initiative for seven uh, plus, no initiative, initiative six, six yeah and so you're getting better a lot better <laughs> yeah but it's more importantly is that the the BSB only has two attacks so physically can't kill the Inquisitor that's the more important <laughs> yeah. point to know here is you cannot be killed by your own attacks because you don't have enough attacks yeah that's good actually so um, yeah got another lethal strike in that combat Roll the D3. Rolled a one. <laughs> so I was very disappointed I didn't get anyone with it. Uh, particularly <laughs> that I tricked the same guy twice. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> it was pretty hilarious. That was pretty funny. Um, yeah, the Inquisitor nearly took off a, a cowboy, a Saurus character. Yeah. Uh, took that challenge. And that's a pretty decent swap. Yeah, Because you're going from five. four, four, five, and two to five, five. Uh, what initiative? Who cares? One. Physical weapons, anyway. Yeah. And then four attacks, if yeah. not five attacks. Yeah, like that's pretty hefty trade up <laughs> there, if I'm honest. It's like <clears throat> so. The plan initially was to do <laughs> the plan initially was to do brace of pistols, so you got an extra attack on top. Yeah, and just try and roll lethal strikes. Yeah, that was basically yeah. the gimmick. That's that's a good build. It's but, fun. But as, the other as thing we the, said, it's like it was hidden. It was yeah, hiddenless, but you had help. to have um, what you see is what you get. Yeah. 
But I feel like if you play people who play enough, they know what an Inquisitor does, and they know that you've got the locket. Yeah. Like, you should, if you're not running the locket, you, you, why take an Inquisitor? Yeah. However, for the same points as a Marshal, which is what the Inquisitor is worth, 160, the Inquisitor gets Lethal Strike, D3 Wounds, and MR2. Ah. Which is surprisingly good value. Yeah. I think. I think that's pretty good. And also, uh, enemies have minus one to cast spells that target the unit. Is that just an Inquisitor rule? Inquisitor rule. Wow, yeah. that's really good. Yeah. Okay, so... so that's, uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, moving on, just a prelate with my favourite build of all time, Great Open, Armour for the Great. Yeah. So one-up armour. Great Open. Strength 6. Yeah. Divine Attacks. Solid. Fine. Uh, Wizard Master with two spells only on Alchemy. With Why? Is that just a points thing? Yes, I ran out of character points. Yeah. Also, didn't really see the value in any more spells because I have four bounce spells. Fair enough. Um, and the only reason I took alchemy was because it combos with the Predate's Flame. Essentially, the gimmick is you cast any alchemy spell, put the attribute on the unit you're fighting, and then you have two attempts to get reels to wound. Yeah. The flame bound spell gets you reels to wound now. Yeah. And the reels to wound bound spell gets you reels to wound. Yeah. <laughs> so you have two three plus to cast spells to do the same thing. Yeah. If you cast an alchemy spell. Yeah. That's the only reason to do it. Um, and obviously, scroll of shielding is arguably the best arcane item after second best after Scepter of Power which is the yeah. best item and because you've got Magic Res 2 on your unit you've got a 2 plus ward save against yeah. one spell and spell on yeah. the main unit that's quite nice um, my core was th- so the most important bit of core was 43 heavy infantry with full command banner of speed and halberds in the end I swapped uh, shields for halberds yeah um, do you think that was that actually worked out or would you um, rather have had spears? So I would have rather had spears purely because um, they're kind of the same as halberds and they're better at range because they've got better armor save. Yeah. They're better in combat against rubbish troops so you don't like l- randomly lose four to like goblins because you've got a five plus armor save. Yeah. Um, it combos better with the one spell from alchemy because you get then you can get a three plus armor save on yeah. core infantry. Yeah. Um, and it combos better with reels to wound on things like steam tanks, you have a few orocs, uh, uh, tuskers, because yeah. you get lethal strike against oh, yeah, yeah, sure. So that's really strong when you get rerolls. Yeah, I, I think it combos better with spears. Um, and also it means you fight in five ranks. Yeah. Which is pretty legit. Um, that was again like the what you see is what you get. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, because scoring was quite important in this event. Uh, scoring units. I had two units of five electoral cavalry with musicians and great opens. Yeah. Um, and shields, actually. It's not on the list, but that's what I actually had bought. Um, two times ten militia with pistols that were skirmishing, which are one of the best core units in the Empire book, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, and that pirates. was it. That was it for core. Yeah, the pirates. <laughs> um, then I had three knights of the sun griffin with musician and lance and shield and a banner with gleaming stand, yeah. which is... The standard useful. flanker unit, which is yeah. pretty solid, really. Um, you, you really rate these guys, right? Rate them massively. Probably best unit in the Empire book. You think? Arguable, but I reckon. Um, just because they score as well. Yeah. It's Monsters Cav doesn't really care if it doesn't charge, because the Demis do all the fighting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just love that unit. Wish I had more, but I don't, and I'm not planning on buying any. <laughs> so... You should uh, convert some ducks. Yeah, definitely. Or geese or whatever, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so three units of rangers, which was 
Henry's like eyebrow raise yeah. at me when I told him I'd got this. But I didn't realise that they had more shot too. Yeah, so for 100 points, you get five blokes who can just fire really quick. Yeah. So We'll, we'll talk about them in a yeah. bit. Yeah. Uh, so three units of those. Uh, a volley gun, purely because it's fun, not because it's good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, it's my favourite artillery piece I've got painted. Yeah, quite a nice model. It's really so. old, one of the old metal ones from Games Workshop, and I yeah. just really just like the model. Um... Arcane engine with distracting because it's almost the auto include unit in the Empire lit book. I yeah, think. I, I think it's pretty good. Um, distracting partly because I think the aura is actually better than lightning reflexes. Yeah, it, it's for me like you have like you have lightning reflex and distracting. If you use want to use the lightning reflexes, you want to use it on a like a, an elite unit that's going to kill things better. Yeah. Whereas, you're using the distracting on the party bus, yeah, to make them more grindy, yeah, um, because they give cheap, away fewer cheap, shitty troops, yeah, yeah, and you want to minimize your losses <clears throat> rather than like throwing more shit at a wall that can't really kill anything anyway. The other reason is that I prefer the bound spell you get to the one you get on yeah. the lightning reflexes one. So you get the magic missile um, from divination, yeah. I can't remember what it's called. Unerring Strike. Unerring no, Strike. Uh, the other one. The other one. Yeah. Anyway, it's the it's the auto wounds, like low number of hits auto wounds one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just don't find it as helpful. Like Empire as a book, doesn't have issue doing damage to long range to hard targets with cannons. Yeah. So I don't know why you need that extra. I don't know. People might disagree, but I really like the. Um, Know the enemy bound spell, which is yeah. plus two weapon skill, plus two initiative. Yeah. Which I've called the Elf Maker because it makes <laughs> humans, humans kind of elf, elves, really. Yeah. Um, and when you combo that with hatred, maybe reels to wound, distracting, it suddenly means that you know that core unit is hitting really hard and not really dying. Yeah, but we'll we'll get there. Yeah. we'll get there. Um, Ten flagellants for one hundred and sixty points is pretty cheap. Yeah. Pretty killy. People got to deal with them. Pretty handy. Yeah, you got to throw something at them. Uh, you know, had uh, took some sword muscles off with them once. Someone I uh, you just couldn't do it. Couldn't put them anywhere else yeah. because of where they ended up. Pushed them in, killed all the flagellants, then lost all the sword muscles in return. Yeah, it's like, yeah, that's what's going to happen. Good trade. And then a tank, which I love. Not everyone likes it. I think it's solid. I think it's great. Yeah, so it's hard to kill. Lost it in one game out of five. Yeah. So MVP. Yeah. MVP. Uh, no, maybe not. What's the MVP? What's the MVP? Um, I'm I'm gonna go with. It's not the Inquisitor. <laughs> not the Inquisitor. He tried hard. <laughs> he did his best. Um, the tank did pretty well. Uh, I'm probably gonna give it to the Rangers. Rangers. Uh, jokes aside, Rangers, pretty solid. Pretty okay, solid. but we'll uh, we'll talk about those in a bit. Yeah. So you came 39th out of. So sorry, we're not talking 94. about like the w- a good list here. We're yeah. just talking about Draxus because he's Jax, here. Draxus, yeah, pretty much why. Yeah. So we'll maybe we can get uh, some time with Mass who won the tournament sometimes in the next few weeks. But yeah, thirty ninth, you had six points for the quiz. Yep. Ten points for painting. One fair play score. Forty nine battle points. It's just below par. Yeah. Which is a bit disappointing, but then again, I don't think this list is particularly strong. There's a lot of things that you could do very, very differently to no, make no, it. Just a lot a, no, you're just trying to it's cover, true. cover it it's up. True. Um, but again, <laughs> just like Henry doesn't play competitive vampires, I don't play competitive vampire really. So. <laughs> Fair enough. 
Okay, so um, I think what we should talk about is the party bus. Yeah, you've already name dropped it once, yeah. and we didn't just say what it was. So, um, what is the party bus joke? So, the party bus is this running joke. I think I actually missed out Banner of Speed. Maybe I didn't mention it on the heavy infantry. Yeah. So, the 43 heavy infantry. Let's, let's say they have spears because let's that's, say they're that's, spears. The, that's the idea. That's so the, idea. The, the idea is they have spears, or you can do it with whatever, really. But they, it's, it's kind of a troll list as well. It's <laughs> sort of a joke. Yeah. But it actually kind of works. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've played against it once, and it was yeah. pre- it was pretty effective. Quite funny. Um, but essentially, the idea is with the BSB in the unit with stalker standard, the unit gets swift stride. It's already movement five, and with the orders from the marshals, they can be movement seven. So this means that they can march fourteen inches every single turn, and they can charge with movement six swift stride, and ignore DTs. Which is kind of crucial and when you're taking 50. And like, you can be stand in a forest or in water. water. You can walk through yeah. ruins, you do everything. Uh, you can have break the spirit cast on you and ignore it. Because. <laughs> okay, in my in my one game that I played today, yeah. I had break the spirit cast on my five. I had 10 blade dancers and the blade dancer BSB character. Um, I wanted to charge into some warriors and he cast break the spirit on my blade dancers and I couldn't dispel it, I had no dice left. I think I used them all to dispel the totem summon. And, um... So I charged in anyway. Fuck it. I'm just gonna go in. And DTs and ones and twos. And I rolled six fails. Solid. You saved one. I saved one. Nice. So five of my blade dancers died. <laughs> and then <laughs> they... And then, in that next combat, all of the blade dancers got killed, apart from the character. But I won combat because I did just enough wounds... And he passes break test. In the next turn, he challenged me. I did one wound on the BSB. He had a banner and a BSB. I had a banner from my BSB, a war banner and a wound. <laughs> and he failed his break test. Solid. And my BSB ran down his wire block with his BSB. I wanted to say you then failed the DTs on the pursuit move, but you didn't. <laughs> no, but <laughs> then, by then it was gone. <laughs> <clears throat> that would have yeah. been even better. So, carry on with the party bus. So, yeah, um, essentially the reason it's called the party bus is you would think that a unit of 43 models would be deployed 10 wide in horde formation. <laughs> and yet, often, that's not the case. Because it may be a, a bad thing, the way Night Age works, but breaking steadfast is really, really important. Mm. Um, and it's very, very similar. So all the characters, apart from the Prince on Dragon, go into this unit. So, so you have got the prelate, the, got Inquisitor. the prelate, the Inquisitor, the BSB Marshal, and the Wizard in the second rank. So they're having a party. They're in, having a big party. In the bus. And they're bringing the party to people at movement six with stride. <laughs> so that's the idea. So you you push it across the table at things, and people are like, oh, it's fine. It's only I've, Empire Spearman. It's only Empire Spearman. I've left him a 10-inch charge on dice. And then you go, oh, wait, plus one movement. So now we're movement six. Now it's only eight swift stride, yeah. and suddenly you're applying 43 spearmen to a unit which wasn't expecting 43 spearmen. Yeah. Um, basically, the idea is you've got a unit which shouldn't move like cavalry, which is as fast as cavalry, and it hits things kind of harder than you expect. Yeah. The main reason it's good is it's applying lots of combat resolution. So it's applying two banners... Three ranks and a charge, obviously, on the turn of charge. So it's yeah. flying six just by it being there. Just by charging. Yeah. 
And because it's got distracting and potentially five up ward save from the prelate or yeah. uh, plus two weapon skill and it's already distracting. Yeah, I mean, for, for me... You, you don't kill that... You, you kill surprisingly few models. Yeah, for me, this is like the probably the one build in the game where you can get multiple buffs off at like a really low cost and yeah. like quite a high chance. Yeah. So distracting, you just got to be how far from the six altar? Inches six from the inches from the altar. I and mean, the unit's so long. Yeah. That even if you charge yeah. it like twenty, you charge inches. past it. <laughs> yeah. They just wave it as if it's a <laughs> shot run by. So the, yeah, he's like the he's like the, the guy with the the car with the big stereo system. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're wearing bus. down. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah essentially making them distracting it's quite easy to keep it in range for like a turn or two yeah Um, so you always have distracting you always have hatred because of the warrior priest yep you can get which which is less relevant because the unit's so narrow so like that I agree that but but still yeah it's still still good yeah you still have hatred so you're re-rolling those hits and then what other buffs can you get from alchemy and from the so the prayers so from alchemy your potential buffs are plus two armor, yeah, which is pretty good. Although that does go on the dragon quite a lot. Yeah, um, you can get flaming attacks plus one AP, so you be AP two. That's nice, which is pretty cool. And, um, and, and obviously, flaming. and obviously with the flaming attacks, you you also have the attribute, so you can reroll yeah. to wound as well. Yeah, alchemical fire, which goes on the unit you're fighting. Um, so and you've got two attempts at flaming attacks because you've got one of the prayers from the prelate is flaming attacks. Yeah. Um, and it also combos quite well because you get the d6 strength 4 hits which then re-roll to wound because you've already got alchemy on which is kind of cool Um, yeah that's probably it for buffs in alchemy you have the ward ward save you have the ward save from the predict 5 plus ward save for the whole unit 3 up to cast that yeah pretty solid and you also have the bounce spell from the altar bounce spell from the altar which is your plus 2 the elf maker the elf maker so in in general generally you're going to get I don't know. If you're, you could even one dice these. Yeah. Because you don't need them all. You need a couple. Yeah. And then you need good. one or two. Um, but because you've got the Inquisitor in the unit, you can push it into like quite killy things, and then. They can't really chat. You, you, you can't, can't just tra- yeah. you can't challenge, challenge to get yeah. out. Like nothing in my unit is going to take off a like a fighty character in one turn. No. But at the same time, you don't fight that unit with the party bus. You fight units, you're going to steamroll. Yeah. <laughs> Jokes aside, because it's so quick. It's a, it's a bus, right? It's a bus. You're only, you're only going to fight things that you can run over. Yeah, once. exactly. You know, hit and run. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's true, though. But because the unit's so quick, you can just run past things you don't want to fight and fight other things. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit like um, if you ever play like one of those games like Grand Theft Auto, yeah. and you do like the you like jump in a bus and just mow people down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, essentially... What happened in one in one game was the in the Warriors game the guy basically just posted up like a long way away from the the party bus and because it's hidden lists he just thought they were moving four <laughs> but they were it's even better when it's hidden lists oh yeah it's so much stronger <laughs> when it's hidden lists so yeah it's just popped all the movement you buffs. just like whack the stereo up yeah and it's like it's like it's also it's also when you go I'm gonna declare that charge and he goes yes hold you put down two dice to mark the charge. And then you ferret around in your pocket to find your third dice to put down. <laughs> so uh, no, that that then turned into a very easy charge. And uh, also because of the way he tried to chaff me, um, I only clipped corner to corner with the warriors, which is even better. 
Because then he's only getting like three attacks on you. <laughs> and I don't really care about my attacks. He's got the combat res from I'm the, winning by yeah. six already. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter, does it? Um, yeah. And what, what, kind of, what kind of unit does this not do well against? Uh, so it will not work against things like Swordmasters. Yep. It will <laughs> work. Speaking from experience. <laughs> however, it will work against Lion Guard. Yes. Because, however, important point to note. Do not put the fear-causing helmet BSB in the front rank against the Lion Guard. Because <laughs> <laughs> then they're stubborn. And that doesn't work so well. <laughs> Did you learn that the hard way? This no, 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 I didn't do that. I didn't okay. do that. Um, but yeah, don't do that. Um, that, it's, that has happened before, though. Um, awkwardly, the elf player then killed the BSB and then broke. <laughs> which is quite funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's just something to. So, that's also why the fear helmet works because you push it into things, you know, you're going to break steadfast. But you might not win by a lot because you might, like, lose some wounds to, you know, uh, losing, like, six spearmen to get yeah. some normal attacks. But then, if you put fear, you've got to take a fear test, the enemy's got to take a fear check. Uh, you've also got the potential for that just being minus one leadership for the break test. Yeah. Just helps them break things and carry on going. You don't want to stick in things for a long time. Because if you're in bus formation and you're like 10 ranks deep... You haven't got many attacks. You haven't got many attacks, but also your flanks are huge. <laughs> like, it's so easy <laughs> for a tiny to clip into it. Yeah. And even if it's like five harpies, and they don't die, then you can't reform. Yeah. And you can't go wide it's or you still, can't... It's still like a charge and a flank that's two combo rows that you're not getting. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's more important that you can't then like slide around on the front or anything okay. like that. Like, I think that's more of a worry. Yeah. But yeah, that, getting bogged down, it wants to carry on. It wants to bring bring the fun to other people. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting list. It's essentially very similar concept to the VC list I ran at the, at the ETC, which was... What would you call that then? If this is the party bus, what's that? Uh, I was at, so the ETC is all business business like. Yeah. That was the CR bus. The CR bus. That was the combat resolution bus. Because <laughs> uh, that one just had a von Karnstein vampire naked in the second rank. Okay. Um, didn't even upgrade. Didn't even upgrade it to a, a lord. Just a courtier. Yeah. Don't think he even cast magic actually. Okay. He did nothing. He had one strength five support what, attack. What's he doing there? He's giving the unit. Uh, he's got to be the general. Uh, he's giving inspiring presence. He's making the plus one CR. Yeah. Um, so it literally was the CR bus. It's CR, yeah. So, because okay. you're getting your war banner, von Karnstein, banner, three ranks. Yeah. So you got plus seven on the charge. Fuck. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Cool. Um, so you also ran with uh, a dragon, which is a little bit different to. I don't think there was any other Empire army that had a dragon. No, quite a few Empire. All quite. Different kinds of builds, which is quite fun to see. Was the was the you said that you had a mirror match, which was pretty much the same. Was this? <clears throat> did he have a dragon as well? He didn't have a dragon. Um, by that, I mean it was kind of different, but we both had big spear blocks. Yeah. <clears throat> they were facing off against each other. We both had a tank. We both had some flagellants. Both yeah. had some knights, some demis. There's a lot of or some knights, the sun griffin. Yeah. So. Just... Yeah, it's all kind of similar tools to sort of solve the same problems. Yeah. What was the kind of what was firstly what was the thinking behind the dragon? Like, why did you take it, apart from wanting to use a model or whatever like that? Like, was there, was there like, a grander plan? So, I think on paper, it's not as bad as it looks. It's not a good unit, but it has some uses where it's, it's kind of okay. Um, so, for anyone who doesn't know, the, it, the dragon is just a straight-up strength 6, tough 6, 5 attacks dragon. Yeah. With a strength 4 breath weapon. Yep. It's a dragon. 
the prince on top has the sunstall, which all you have to do is roll to hit, and then you auto wound AP six. Yeah, so you can take wardrobes, but then you have the, the divine, divine icon, icon for that. So and the divine icon obviously works on the whole model, so it works on the uh, dragon's, dragon's attacks, attacks as yeah. well, which is pretty good. Um, but essentially, he's kind of scary to some things, like. He's a little bit scary to some characters because they kind of he swings first and if he gets lucky and hits three times he just kills cowboys. So, something like yeah, like a cowboy yeah. or like the unkillable chaos lord. Yeah, like the bluffer's helm because it yeah. bypasses the. Yeah, so helm. anything with the bluffer's helm and a great weapon is like a perfect count. It's, it's quite it's a perfect quite a nice, count. No, quite a nice try. You can yeah. just give it a go. It's still scary because yeah, yeah. the guy, if you don't kill him, the guy swings back and just like takes your head off, <laughs> which happened a yeah. few times. Shrimp Seven. I mean, did, yeah. Did did the uh, did you fight any Bluffersome characters in this tournament? Uh, I had a few. Um, I just decided to feed him a steam tank instead, <laughs> um, which seemed like the safer option, and it was also seven hundred points cheaper. So uh, that was the other reason. Yeah. So I mean, we, we've been talking about this a little bit this weekend. Um, is the dragon points effective? So. I think because the dragon's the general, and when it dies, it's eleven hundred points. It's such a big investment that you have to use it carefully. Yeah. And you, it's true with most dragons in competitive play. Yeah. Like you end up hiding them a lot, and then zipping them out for a couple of turns to kill a few bits and pieces, and then or like mop up something which is already weakened or something like that, and they end up not doing as much as you feel they should. Probably seems fair. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, for, I I play with dragons a lot, and for me, um, the dra- dragons are there to o- kill stuff, but also save points. Yeah, so if you don't lose it, it's a it's a fifth of my list which didn't die. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for example, the one I I played one game today as a standing player, and my dragon he stood on the flank, he charged from chaos knights, and killed them, and then overran into, uh, some monster chosen, killed them. Then like and char- then, charged off as totem summon and then hid in the corner for the rest of the didn't, game. Didn't die. Didn't die. Crucially, is so I yeah. probably took like I killed probably eight hundred points or something. I mean, it's worth one thousand two hundred points in a silver elf list, maybe more. I I, I can't remember is exactly. That including the uh, the general bonus. Or yeah, yeah, including the general bonus. If so he he, dies. here's the thing, he's only a thousand ish points. Yeah. So he's a hundred points more than mine. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm just going to check, actually. Yeah, okay, um, but sure. And is, is the, the premise is the same for most dragons, though. Essentially, isn't it? That, yeah. Um, you have to play very conservatively if you don't want to lose it. Um, and by that point, it's very difficult to, for it to make its points back. Yeah. Even though I hate that analogy. I don't find that analogy helpful. Because also, uh, a dragon in this list is actually performing more functions because it's giving you the 18-inch inspiring presence. Yeah. It's actually quite good to give leadership 9 to bad leadership units in the Empire Army. Yeah. So my, so my, dra- my optimal, dragon... It's but it's, ha- it's that handy. My dragon was 932 points. So he's 22 points more than mine. Is that right? Apparently. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I ran it with a giant sword. Look, that feels too expensive for mine. Maybe I've made a mistake. I don't know. <laughs> I run it with a giant sword, lucky charm, divine icon, lucky shield, a longbow, and black arrow. I forgot about the black arrow, but I had a longbow <laughs> just because I had like ten points at the end. Yeah, fair enough. That makes yeah. It's the dragon is standard. Yeah. Yeah. 
But it's the same dragon as yours. But yeah. my, my character was 412. Yeah. Um, I mean, the marshal gets quite expensive with the prince upgrade because he... He gets a sunstar. He gets a sunstar. So yeah, he's 160 base and then he gets 180 points to be a prince with a sunstar. And then the dragon itself is 520. Yeah, same for me. Yeah. So it's about the same. So yeah, that is right, yeah. But yeah, in, in my game, like I said, I killed 800 <clears throat> points, but I saved 900 points of yeah. myself and the general bonus. Yeah. So he probably isn't doing his points, but he's you, he flies and you can hide him quite easily. And so it's easy to conserve those points if you need to. Yeah, which is what I did in one of the games, um, and I hit it. But also, I was dead have fun, so I was trying to sort of push my luck with the dragon yeah. a bit. I think it's a bit more. I think it's fun to play it. You can push yeah, it forward, yeah. and um, and I mean, if it comes off, it you know could just go through uh, like half a like a whole flank. Yeah, and they, yeah. they can kill characters and stuff, and yeah, and it's also just fun to have a dragon. <laughs> yeah, around. exactly. Yeah, I mean, I the, probably the best moment was in the last game where I managed to charged into a sphinx and just killed it in one round it was five wounds it was still like healthy and uh, yeah the dragon <laughs> yeah. Just, just goes straight through it in one turn that's the toughness eight sphinx which is also wounding with the sunstar yeah so three wounds off the prince one wound from the dragon's attacks and then the breath weapon did the last wound yeah um, which we've thought about seems a little bit fluky but not crazy yeah so in conclusion what would you say about the imperial dragon I wouldn't take one if I was trying to write a serious list. Um, just purely because you have to babysit it too much. And some tables don't have anywhere to hide it. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't have anywhere to hide it and your opponent's got two cannons, you're <laughs> going to lose it. Yeah, or um, maybe. Well, you, you should probably lose it. Um, I, I, I like to be confident with mine. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I think that it's just too expensive for what it does yeah. uh, in, in this one. Do you think you can build a list around it? In the Empire I think there were some ETC lists that had them. And the uh, the idea was to have a tank on one side and the dragon on the other side as like anchors for the flanks of the, mm. the army. Um, because they both are quite good at killing or like holding up or killing yeah. things like bluffers, chariot characters or uh, Saurus characters yeah. on, on raptors. Um, they both do both. They both do quite well at that. Um, not convinced that like you couldn't get demogriffs to do something similar almost maybe and they're also scoring you also get three units for this cost okay yeah nearly so w- would you would you rather have three demogriffs or one dragon three units of demogriffs yeah uh, three units of demogriffs yeah I, I would agree or two units of demogriffs and a cannon <laughs> yeah for example yeah um, same same points cost. same points or cheaper even yeah um, so it's not probably not the optimal choice no but it's a fun choice it's fun um, and it's it's not it still can kill things like it's not terrible in combat like yeah. this is fun so lastly um, I think one thing that's quite interesting in your list as you said I raised my eyebrows when mm-hmm. you told me what you were bringing um, but we've kind of talked about it now and uh, I'm I'm swinging maybe the other way so you you took three units of five imperial rangers um, like do you want to talk about these like especially comparing them to the, the state militia pirates yeah so Essentially, this is also due to the fact that these are models I had available that were nicely painted. Um, so I also wanted to bring them. But I also rate them higher than a lot of Empire players around, I guess. Yeah. Um, so the highest I've ever finished in the tournament in the UK with Empire is 6th in like a 20 or 30 man tournament. Yeah. 
And I beat an ETC player at that event with a similar list to this. Okay. Just minus a dragon and plus two mortars, I think. <laughs> um, and I had a couple of units of rangers. So for 100 points, you get five guys who've got bows with multi shots two in BS4. So they basically shoot exactly the same as normal militia with bows, but they just shoot twice for one guy. Yeah. Um, they Sorry. also get scout. Yeah, that's important. Which is kind of handy. Um, but the thing is, you can also not scout them, and this list then has 14 drops. Yeah, so you can use them as chaff. So you can either use them as, like, I'm going to make sure I outdrop you, if you need to. And they're cheap as well. And they're cheap. Same price as a Great Eagle. Or you can throw them into, you know, charge war machines, or just stick around and get chaff that's already ahead, yeah. already in position. Can you give musicians? No, no. I'm afraid not. That'd be nice. But they... Yeah, but you don't really need it because they're like troops, so they can just like. I was, I was thinking like you could march block people. Yeah, it's true. That'd be quite funny. Uh, hunting be quite funny. Get the hunting horns out. Um, but they like I don't know they they're just really handy because they're really small for unit footprint. Yeah. So they get lots of shots for really small because ten skirmishes is surprisingly big unit footprint. Yeah, and you can march and shoot. Yeah, and you put can put them like three by two formation, and then they fit in a really small little square. Yeah. Um, and I've used them for all, all kinds of things like. Uh, screening the front of the party bus from shooting <laughs> to don't interrupt your party yeah putting them in front of the volley gun first turn so it doesn't get shot off by handguns or crossbows yeah um yeah I guess like use it for lots of things um they just cheap chaff as well yeah um and in the last game they shot off two colossi so yeah and you can also give them orders to make them a little bit better they're not supporting units ah uh, okay so you can only give it to militia uh so the only units you can give it to are Heavy infantry, uh, was it, is it light infantry? Light infantry. Yeah, light infantry and state militia. Okay. Because they're not supporting units. Okay, fair enough. And, I mean, just comparing the rangers to the state militia? Like, the, with the pistols, for example. Yeah, the pirates. Yeah, so the reason the militia with pistols are the best militia version is because pistols are really good, because they're quick to fire, you don't get uh, movement shoot penalties. Yeah. Um, is a pistol, so it's strength four minus one, or AP one, which is great for killing, just killing things. Yeah. They also get to fight with them in close combat, so they get more attacks at initiative four, which is yeah. really important. Um, and they also get to stand and shoot always because it's quick to fire again. Yeah, and the skirmish, so they and can the skirmish, march and shoot. They march and shoot. They're hard to shoot off with normal bows because they're yeah. more to hit them. And you can combo with them with the orders, as you said, just to now. give them like eighteen inch range. Yeah. Turn one, so you can sort of get your free lots of shots off an 18 inch range is either out of range for some things or dodgily long range for a lot of things. yeah it's kind of it's kind of like a, a 12 inches if you're in range people can charge you quite easily yeah. and even if you flee if you kind of don't roll very high yeah. you're gonna die yeah and that can really fuck up your battle plan yeah mega easy. but when when you're at 18 inch range you're like even cavalry you're not safe but you're kind of on the edge of it the, the thing with thing with 18 being 18 away for like cavalry that are moved 7 or 8 yeah is that are they going to risk trying to roll a 10 or 11 yeah for potentially losing like maybe 2 or 3 guys to yeah. if I get lucky with pistols yeah exactly like I know I'm hitting on 6s but then if it's elves or humans you're winning on 3s and it's minus 2 yeah and like if I shoot off 2 cavalry just like for free you've given me an extra shooting phase for free yeah it's not worth taking the risk. Yeah, exactly. And that's why it's really good. And it, and it's too far for infantry. Yeah. So it's it's like having that extra range is really nice. 
Um, Rasmus was playing a list with I I don't know Empire very well. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure there's there's uh, some way you can give two orders to a unit. So the way it works is um, both marshals can give orders. Yeah. If you're the general, you get twelve inch uh, range. order range. Yeah. And if you're not the general, you get six inch range. Okay. So you can actually give like a two orders to one unit, right? You can double stack orders. Yeah. yeah. So you you can't double stack the same order. Yeah. Um, but, but for example, yeah. you could give plus one movement to the militia. Yeah. And then plus six in range to so the militia. The movement order works by the unit you give the order to because you do orders at the start, of the first thing at the start of the turn. Yeah. Um, if you declare a charge, you only get plus one. Yeah. But if you don't, you get plus two. Yeah. So you can move six. Yeah. So twelve. Twelve. And then shoot eighteen. Correct. So that with I mean you can have ten guys. Yeah. Shooting, how far is that? So that's 30 inches. 30 inches with, with pistols. pistols? With no movement penalties. Yeah, so with no movement penalty. Yeah, quick to fire. You're pretty much hitting on a four all the time. Uh, so it's long range for five. So fives, yeah. But I mean, still. The, it, you can catch some people out with that. Yeah, for sure. And like the, the game I played lots of Swordmasters and lots of units of five cavalry, yeah. pistols are amazing. Something like Wild Huntsman come to mind. Yeah, as like, a really good target. It's like the perfect thing to... Cause you lose two yeah. wild huntsmen. The unit has lost a lot of killing yeah. potential yeah. already. Yeah, and that's the kind of that can't afford to take a jet to like yeah. a maybe charge and and getting shot by like fucking a hundred fifty point pistol militia. Yeah, it's just like the most irritating thing. Yeah, yeah. they took two wins of a steam tank as well. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's minus two armor. Yeah, so minus two armor. Um, so your your question though was more about them versus rangers. Yeah. So so looking at the rangers, it's a, it's like an interesting choice. Um, obviously, you have the same number of shots um, with with the with the five guys. Yeah. Do you do you think there's like is is there is there a place for rangers in a list using them in the same way as the militia because they're a bit cheaper, um, but they do like something a bit different. So yeah, essentially, in my list, it's quite handy actually because the two units of militia with pistols are worth the same as the three units of rangers. Um, but the militia have actually more wounds, which is interesting. And but you get an extra unit of chaff. You get an extra unit of chaff. So you get three units, which is almost always three units is better than two yeah. in most situations. Especially when there's small units which small can shoot chaff and chaff units. units. Yeah, um, yeah with things like you can even put like one next to one in front of the other, flew with one, and then you haven't lost all 10 shots. You've lost well, all 20 shots. You've lost half your shots, yeah. not all of them. Um, I think though maybe it's a false dichotomy though because Imperial Rangers are competing with writers yeah whereas state militia are core yeah so you've got to fill core somehow yeah and gen- like in my experience of playing Empire I don't play with that much Empire I don't see how multiple core heavy infantry units works yeah. unless you're doing like massive MSU or like lots of tiny units yeah it doesn't function because you have to put the force multipliers in like the prelate or the marshal or whatever yeah so I don't see how like a 40 and a 40 work because you haven't got enough characters to put in both mm. so in my mind it's one block of heavy infantry and then the rest is either cavalry or militia so you're going to have militia in the list anyway you probably don't need that many rangers because writers are just better yeah, I mean w- would you if you were going to make this list more competitive would you trade some rangers for some writers Probably. Would you go but then again, all one way, or would you have one of each? Or? So, the list I did well in, in England at a tournament, I had two units of writers in. 
uh, Tunics of Righteous and Tunics of Rangers. Um, and they just did what they did here. Cheap chaff. They shoot a bit. They add extra shots. Um, they get things like strength three shots with no special rules. Like it's good for you know, like monsters. Because yeah. you're rolling sixes anyway. They yeah. might as well be really rubbish shots. Yeah. Um, whereas... Writers are just very very good, and it's more strength for AP one shots, yeah. which are good. Um, obviously, the dragon comes out to make the list good. Uh, the volley gun becomes a, a cannon yeah. or a mortar. Either is good actually. Cannon's probably more important. I'll probably go cannon mortar. It's probably my preferred choice yeah. of war machine. Um, get some writers in there. Maybe get some more demigriffs or some knights of the sun griffin rather. Um, Probably don't bother with an extra character. The second marshal is probably unnecessary. It's nice to have two orders. Mm, yeah, that's a hard choice actually. Yeah. So maybe it's, it's you want a second marshal, but maybe just have a really cheap one. Yeah. With maybe some like utility item. Okay. I'm not sure what. Um, so last last question um, before we finish tonight. Um, your list was obviously a little bit different to the other empire lists at the giant variety tournament. Yeah. Um, was there any big differences or like a general trend that you could see in the lists? Like you said, you said that someone had the same spear block as you. Was there a yeah. lot of steam tanks? Was there a lot of cannons? Was there like a general? A lot like, of steam tanks, actually. Yeah. A lot of steam tanks around. I think they're popular because they're a fun unit. Yeah. Uh, they're also popular because they they kind of all right. They're kind of good. They're not. They're just balanced. They're just not really strong. Yeah. Not really bad. They're just good. Um. Interestingly, I saw somebody I played had an Imperial Guard block with hammer and shield. Yeah. Which I think is a good unit. But he'd paired that with Pyromancy. Which I thought was strange. How would I, you pair it with? Either Razor Banner or well, Rending Banner. God, what's it? I don't know what it's called, actually. Rending, One, rending banner. banner. Either Rending Banner on them or Alchemy Flaming Banner. Yeah. Is the build. Yeah. Because three up armor on infantry pairs so well with plus one or plus two armor. Yeah. It's untrue. Yeah. <laughs> one, one plus armor yeah. infantry. And then if you've got Fleming Banner, any of the buffs from Alchemy work on that unit. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's already distracting. Distracting parry through up arm safe. I like it. It's always distracting. Yeah. It? Yeah. Because distractions are given. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. It just seems strange to go with Pyromancy. I know he wanted Pyromancy for more like pokey damage, which is always good. Yeah. But I thought Alchemy was the better choice for that unit. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, uh, thank you, Jack, for coming on and giving us a bit of a, a review of Giant Fanatic. I hope you had a good weekend. Yeah, it's been great. Denmark's always a good fun. Yeah. It's a good, good laugh. <laughs> Lots of beer has been consumed. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's and, and gin and other things as I well. I think we were so. drinking everything as again. <laughs> yeah. This happens too often. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have any tournaments coming up? Uh, for me, I'm going to. Or, yeah, whatever. Yeah, so going to Heat 2 uh, of a GT series, Grand Tournament series in the UK, uh, where the top 10 or top 20 from both heats go through to the final in December. So it's going to be quite fun. Uh, then there's a team tournament up in the Birmingham Midlands area uh, that's got 24-man teams signed up in the UK. Um, so that should be fun. Um, I'll probably be running my own tournament in the springtime. Um, that'll probably do it uh, for events I'm going to because if I uh, say I'm going to too many others I'll actually have to do it <laughs> and then uh, Jack won't know where his rent money is coming 
yeah, yeah. For, for me in uh, in Denmark we have quite a few tournaments coming up um, we, there's a tournament in Aarhus on the 22nd of October um, another one called Tapcon 2 I think that's in uh, the south of this island uh, in Ku. was that the second one this year or was that last year they I think they had it last year it was last year it's uh, Lasse the guy who does the movement trace yeah yeah I think he's running it Uh, that's the 28th of October Um, there's going to be another one at the same venue as we did Giant Fanatic Um, there's like it's called a Loppermarkle which is like a a junk sale okay like a I don't know what you call it like a Kind bring, of bring and buy sort of thing. Yeah, you or? you bring you bring your like old models and it's kind of like a geek a geek kind of like geek stuff. So like superhero comics and like LARP stuff, whatever you like, all the kind of geek things that you can buy, video games, anything. They kind of all come like models, everything, and they they want to run a small tournament as well. Okay, interesting. That's yeah. on the eleventh of November. I think it's a bit to be decided. They've asked me to run it and. I'm actually busy that day, but I'm going to try and do it if I can. Um, that's everything for this year that's been booked so far. Um, next year, in uh, the last weekend of the winter holidays, probably about the 16th to the 18th of February, there's going to be the Battle of Copenhagen. I think it's going to be a small team tournament. I think four or five players per team. And that's going to be at the same venue again as we had Giant Fanatic. And then uh, we have Ariscon, which is in Aarhus on the 5th and 6th of May in 2018. So that's all the tournaments that we've got coming up in Denmark. If you have more tournaments that you want announcing or just some promotion for your tournament, get in touch with me, amatimedk at gmail.com. doesn't have to be in Denmark, could be anywhere. We have listeners all over the world. It's true, yeah, and not just on, I mean, on your podcast right now, but not just on your podcast, you can get it splattered all over the internet yeah through many different channels many different twitter is one yeah. give Where? give jack a message on the forum um if you want some kind of content making for yeah for your tournament and uh of course if you as we said last episode if you want to get um some good music or music that you like on the podcast for the breaks send us an email and obviously we'd like to hear some feedback from you from the tournament that we just ran or anything else that you liked or didn't like about the show give us an email to amatimedk at gmail.com Hello, and welcome to an extended edition of the Amatime podcast. Um, the reason for doing this is uh, just because basically um, some things came up on the forum over the last 24 hours that I thought were quite interesting. Um, as regular listeners to the show, you will know that I am a Highborn Elf player, um, and something that I have been using recently and in my meta has been um, a lot is Swordmasters. Uh, there's a guy on the Hibernal forum 
it is on page number 105 on high elf general and news discussion and he is talking about swordmasters he says for me swordmasters do not work they get shot into pieces by nearly everything out there maybe pyromancy catapults goblin archers whatever they die like flies and just one round depletes your 30 plus swordmasters into half the rest that may reach close combat can kill sure but against what? Yesterday my 20 swordmasters reached close combat with dwarf warriors, the core ones, don't know the exact name, it was probably warriors or uh, greybeards. I killed some, they were steadfast, stupid rule, because I needed to kill one more so he doesn't get steadfast, he stuck. Uh, I got flanked, 20 swordmasters gone, poof. Other game, first round, orcs and goblins catapult kill 15 of my swordmaster block, <sighs> sigh. Other game, I reached close combat against Empire of Sunstrail foot troops, don't know the name, probably Spearmen or Halberders. I wounded 15, he had a 5 plus ward save, results 4 dead. He hit back with about 30 plus attacks, weapon score 3, shrimp 3, reroll to hit because of hatred, I lost 12. Now are you going to tell me I should focus on units uh, Swordmasters can deal with? Okay, tell me what unit would be a viable target for Swordmasters. Archers, goblins, oh wait, they're steadfast too because of mass bodies. Sorry, I may sound very frustrated, because I am. I'm aware of this, but please, I'm open to help and advice. Show me how to make a, such a fragile and overcosted unit work. So, this discussion has um, come up because, obviously, we're waiting for 2.0, and uh, this chap called Welton Springer, he is uh, on the camp that Swordmasters need some kind of buff. Now, um, I disagree with this point of view, and a lot of other people have disagreed with this point of view and have given him some answers, but I just thought it would be interesting to give him my point of view. Um, largely, it's the same as everyone else, but as someone who uses them a lot, maybe I can um, give some more ideas to this. So, the three examples that he gives, one of them that he runs into some dwarves because his units have been depleted he doesn't kill enough and then they eventually get flanked um, this is unlucky in a way because maybe if he rolled one more dice in a, in a different way he would have killed one more uh, dwarf so that they didn't get steadfast so yeah maybe a bit unlucky but at the same time you can do the maths in advance if you know you're going to reach combat with 10 models, that's 15 attacks. They're going to hit on a 3 plus because of shield wall. They're going to wound on a 3 plus because of toughness 4. So that's 5 wounds. And then that means if they have a 4 plus armor save, maybe they'll save 1. So on average, you're going to do 4 wounds. So this is just a perfect example of knowing how many wounds you're going to do before you charge into combat. If you can do these calculations before you go in, you have a better idea of, on average, what's going to happen. If you'd have done this calculation in advance, maybe you wouldn't have charged, maybe you would have found a different way of um, resolving the problem that you had in front of you. I'm not saying you played badly, I'm just saying that maybe you should have done the calculations in advance to ensure that, on average, you have a more favourable combat and you should know that if you don't kill enough to get break steadfast he's probably going to stay 
Steadfast is there, as someone's pointed out, that if you have five Swordmasters against 100 Goblins, the Swordmasters don't just run them off the board. Um, the next example, the first round against an Orc and Goblin Catapult, it killed 15 of his Swordmaster block. Uh, this is unfortunate. It's clearly some really good dice for your opponent. Um, I What I would suggest is instead of running your Swordmaster block five wide, and four deep if there's 20, run them 10 wide and two deep. In that way, you will reduce the amount of hits on your uh, Swordmasters from uh, weapons like catapults and trebuchets. This is not always the best way of doing it because of course you lose your rank bonus. So you have to kind of time it and mitigate the damage. Maybe use your musician to swift reform at some point, one turn before you want to make a charge. Um, and otherwise, I mean, it's just a, a catapult is a hard counter to Swordmasters. Perhaps you can hide it, hide the unit from the catapult, they are the same height. Put your Illyrian Reavers, which are really cheap, in front of them, so they actually can't see them. Or at least you get some kind of cover. Um, and then, while you're advancing, you use something to take out the catapult. And then, once the catapult's been taken out, then you can come out of hiding and advance on the position of your enemy that you want to kill. You can also um, target your opponent's shooting unit with your own shooting units. Most armies are going to have uh, three Seaguard Reapers. These are great for killing um, Dwarves with crossbows or um, other war machines. So these units here you can target their shooting initially to make it safe for your Swordmasters. The final example he gives is quite topical because he's clearly fighting the party bus which we spoke about um, just before with Jack. Um, he says he had a 5 plus ward save and hatred which is just from the warrior priest being in the unit and also the prayer. So obviously this is a, a magic problem so you need to prioritise dispelling the spell, not all, not, it's not always possible. But again, you need to do the maths. He's, he's going to be steadfast forever because he's going to have a huge unit. He says he had 30 attacks, so it's probably some kind of horde. I would guess halberdiers or spearmen. Um, in this case, it's quite a good target for Swordmasters. Um, nevertheless, you just need to ensure that you stop those buff spells on the unit because a 4 plus ward save, again, when I'm talking about doing the averages, that's one-third of the unit, or one-third of your wounds that you do are going to be saved. So let's say you're fighting those guys. Um, you're hitting on a 2+, plus. you have 20 attacks. Um, you're going to hit about 18, 17 on average. You're wounding on a 2+, plus. that means you're going to, yeah, probably wound about 15, as you said in your example. And then he rolled really well for his award save. So again... In the, in the three out of three examples, he's, your opponent has just been really, really, really lucky. And and there's nothing that you can do about that. That's just the game that we play. Um, you probably should have killed, even with the ward save, about ten. And you probably would have won combat, but he would have still been steadfast. So, again, you're going to grind through them eventually, but you're going to get charged in a flank by something if that's been set up. You just have to know what you're fighting. Um, Swordmasters, in my mind, are really good against high initiative troops. 
as uh, Gladys has said, he uses three times thirty swordmasters because he plays an elf meta, which is saturated by initiative five troops. So I would say swordmasters are perfect for killing initiative five troops because they strike before them, and usually they strike harder and they hit better than any other troop in the game. Their weapons got six and they shrink five. Yes, they get shot, but as I said before, you can mitigate this by hiding them, by putting them behind reavers, by deploying them in a place that they won't get shot. And you can also use your magic phase to mitigate this. Pretty much every path available to the high one elves can help you in this respect. You have cosmology. There's a spell in cosmology that gives minus one ballistic skill. It's a signature spell, so you're guaranteed to get it. Um, a lot of the time I use a Master of Cranry Tower and I'm usually taking just one spell on Cosmology and the rest on Alchemy. Um, this is because I guarantee that plus one weapon skill and plus one ballistic skill spell. Now this is important for two reasons. One, because the minus one ballistic skill you can cast that on archers or a war machine. Something like that that's going to hurt your swordmasters and in this way you're going to lose less on average. So. On average, he's going to hit on a 6 instead of a 5. Or the archers are going to hit on a, a 5 instead of a 4, for example. So, in this way, you can reduce the damage on your swordmasters. In alchemy, you can give plus 1 or plus 2 armor save to your unit. Which, again, is going to reduce the amount of damage that you get. In Druidism, you can give extra toughness, you can give regen save, you can heal your models back. So, if you're using Swordmasters, and this is going to be one of your key combat units, then I would suggest building your army around protecting them. Especially if you come up against an opponent with a lot of shooting that can damage them, then cast your spells on the unit that is going to help you get to combat. Um, your final point is uh, archers and goblins. I mean, why? I don't know why you would charge in goblins with swordmasters. I think it's a bit of a waste. If I had swordmasters and I was playing orcs, I would probably want to be fighting off the black orcs because you hit them on twos, you wound them on threes, and they're hitting you on a four plus. So. Unless you have really bad dice, you're pretty much going to win that combat and you're going to grind them down. And then use your chaff, such as an eagle or your reavers, that like I mentioned before, to block the counter charges to allow you to grind them down. You also need to know how many are going to get killed in return. So let's say you're going to go in with uh, 15 guys. You're On average, you're going to kill 8 of your opponent, which he'll be steadfast, and he's going to kill... Um, six of your models, which means you have nine attacks left. Again, you have to do the math again. Okay, you'll probably win combat, he's going to be steadfast. And then, are you going to have enough Swordmasters to break and kill your opponent the next round of combat? Bear in mind, you can reform to maximize your attacks. Um, the, the final point of this is that you need to also ensure that your Swordmasters are going to be points effective. This means that are you going to kill enough points of your opponent to make the trade-off worthwhile if your Swordmasters are going to die? Or is your Swordmasters going to do a job of killing a unit in your opponent's army that no, nothing else in your own army can kill? In this case, it, the trade-off is usually a good trade. 
something else with the cosmology spell, with the plus one weapon skill spell, the minus one weapon skill. Let's say you're fighting a weapon skill free unit. If you cast minus one weapon skill on your enemy or plus one weapon skill on yourself, that will make the difference in weapon skill so that you get hit on fives. And that's quite a big swing in a combat. So that spell is also really useful in this situation. So consider taking the Cosmology spell along with the Swordmasters because it benefits you both in the shooting phase to mitigate damage and also in the close combat phase to mitigate damage. Finally, with regards to the size of the Swordmaster block, you can run multiple small units of Swordmasters. I think it's been suggested somewhere in the thread. Four units of ten. I personally run one unit of Swordmasters. Just fit 14 is probably about right for me, just 7 by 2 um, If I'm against a catapult, maybe I'll run, run them in one line. Um, you can also run them, as people have said, in, in big units of 30. Um, usually, usually if you have 2 times 30 or 3 times 30, your opponent is not going to be able to shoot enough off before you get to combat. And this is why it's good, because not much can stand up to 30 Swordmasters in, co in close combat. Um, but yeah, most of your bad examples just seem like you have um, really, your opponent has had really good dice or you had really bad dice. So keep trying them. Don't get uh, disheartened, but they're such a strong unit. You should really, really keep going with them because I, I have great experiences. You just have to know how to protect them and ensure that they get to close combat. If you're playing Dwarves, um, screen them with the Illyrian Reavers so that they can't be seen or at least they get hard cover if they're trying to shoot you. But uh, as, also, as is also pointed out, it's the Swordmasters in my mind are the most matchup dependent unit. If you're playing against someone like Warriors of the Dark Gods who have um, no shooting or the Vampires are probably the best, the best uh, matchup for Swordmasters. You can just go in and blend. Like with vampires, they don't have anything that can really deal with the swordmasters because they fight so fast, and they go, always go first, and they do such a large amount of damage. I mean, you can go through, you can blend through a unit of zombies in two two turns. Same with skeletons, unless they have parry. And against something like warriors, um, you're going to be striking before them. You're going to be striking better than them, unless they're chosen, which. Uh, which uh, also weapon skill six, you're going to be wounding them on a three plus, and they're going to have only a five plus armor save with shields, or a, a six plus armor save with any other weapon option. So they're super good at killing those fast, uh, lust chosen units, or like the um, just a and pretty much anything from the Warriors of the Dark Gods book because you're pretty much ensuring that you're going to get to combat at full numbers. You just have to be careful of the magic. And if you're worried about the magic, um, I would also recommend perhaps considering magic resistance on them or a shielding scroll on one of your wizards. Um, if you take a big unit of Swordmasters, anything from 20 or above, maybe even 18 or above, I would also consider the Stalker standard because it means that you're going to be steadfast in any piece of terrain if you're fighting light troops and they have more ranks in you or um, I would consider taking the stalker standard because you're going to ensure that you get those charges that you need to get 
Um, what can really wreck the Swordmaster's day is if you plan on charging something and you don't make it. In this way, you make it more likely on average that you're going to make that charge. You can also stand in terrain and it won't affect your rank bonus. A nasty trick is having a big unit of goblins, orcs, whatever, charging you. Um, that have definitely are going to have more ranks than you. But when you stand in terrain, such as water or forest, that rank bonus is reduced. So if you can get them to charge you in the terrain when you have the stalker standard, you're going to actually break their steadfast because of, firstly, your rank bonus, and secondly, the number of wounds that you're going to cause. So keep going with them, and make sure that you um, charge into the correct, the, correct, um, the correct combat for you. Don't charge into a combat that you're going to get flank charged the next turn. If you are, make sure that you have some chaff to stop yourself getting flank charged. Um, do the math in advance. Know if your opponent has parry. Know if your opponent has distracting, because they're the two rules that can really, really do some, give you some problems. Such as pestilence warriors with a shield. That means that you're hitting them on a four plus, and that is not going to be good for your swordmasters. So, as I said, there's some targets that are good, some targets that are bad. Do the math in advance. Maybe even advance of the game if you know who you're playing. Or maybe even advance of deployment once you can see your enemy army. Know how many wounded swordmasters are going to do and match them up against something that they can fight. Something that they can break in combat over one or two rounds. Two rounds is the best because if you break them on your opponent's turn, you can reform and charge something else. I hope this has been useful for you. And of course, if you have any more questions about Swordmasters or Highborn Elves in general, you're welcome to send me an email, amatimedk at gmail.com.